Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. Oh my God, my bastards are quiz masters. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I, I had heard about it. I had heard about it. And me being the super Bowls man I am, I brought a Bowls jersey with me and gave it to him. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. Welcome along to The Hurling Pod. James Scale was with us, Paul Murphy, up until about three seconds ago. And then James Scale disappears right in the middle of when we were getting ready for the intro. Now, everyone's going to complain that's watching on the YouTube or on the Facebook because we're in the wrong place. And now all feels right. Scale, what happened? I pressed wrong button. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> I pressed the wrong button. <laughs> Don't press the red button. I pressed it. Uh, professional to the end, just like Father Dougal in the cockpit. He's slowly but surely learning things as he goes along. Lads, welcome along to our post Ireland show. Paul Murphy, James Scale, how are you getting on? Good lads, how are you doing? Good, how are things? Yeah, Doesn't even really need the big G up, but the Cork team of the 40s, the Kilkenny side of the 2000s, they have company now at this stage. Limerick are in that very exclusive club of four in a row winners at this stage, outscoring Kilkenny in the second half by 21 points to one goal and six. Perhaps more importantly, and I know James Scale loves his stats, 21 points from 26 chances in that second half. They won by nine points in the end, sealing a fifth All-Ireland title in six seasons. John Kiley's uh, team also winning by 19 points to five after Kilkenny's second goal early in the second half. A performance for the ages, and the only question left is how long can it last? Skell, I knew you'd like that stat from the start. That's just ridiculous efficiency, isn't it? It's it's brilliant efficiency, you're right. Um and like the I look at we've we've kind of ran out of words or explanations to kind of describe Limericks because we always say they always have the answer and they do. Um and like even from a statistics perspective, like I just I've stopped taking stats in them, you know, because every stat I take is kind of like a repeat of that's just final they final before it's just, it's it's they're all mirrored, right? And the question I'm asking is how are they so good like? You know, how you know are they so efficient? How are they so strong? How are they so bloody, you know, just effective? And, like, it's all down to their... And I know, I know because it's a popular topic, right, to talk about Knurk and, and Kyle and these people, but I don't think people actually really dive into it enough as to how they, these t- this team must prepare. Because I'm looking at it in the sense of, you know, there's three ways like you, that, uh, you know, you kind of, I suppose, you penetrate a team. You can go over them, you can go around them, or you can go through them. That's it. You can know the way you can do it. And Limerick can do all three, and they can do, and they're the best at all three. And that's that's what I can't fathom is like how they they prepare to such a level and such a, I suppose, a high level that teams can can't actually they can't replicate it. Like because teams have tried to go toe to toe them, and they've tried to go around them, and tried to go through them, but they just can't. It's unsustainable. And like I was watching some of the game last last night, and I think it was I could be correct here now. I, could, I think it was Don Logue who said he's interested. He can't wait to see who. What team comes up with, you know, with a game plan or a system to take down Limerick? And I, I can't see how any team is going to develop a game plan to get around Limerick because they seem, as I said, yeah, they have all the answers. And like, it's 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 actually frightening because it's uh, it's where they're going to go from here, you know. And everyone talked next year. I, I I really like backing really good teams. I like seeing history being made. I would love to see the five row being made, honestly, just because I think excellence excellence is very very hard to obtain. They're going for something next year that hasn't been done there's a reason it hasn't been done it's because it's so fucking hard you know what I mean so like that's why I'd like to see teams go at it and you know obtain their own history so like I said I've ran out of things to say about Limerick but I'm more really assessing you know how they're getting there and, and like how they're sustaining the excellence and it's, I think it's all back to 
the 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 training ground. Really, I, I think it is. I think this this group has been molded. And I, we'll talk about generational players, and that's fine. It's easy to say that, right? But this this group of players has been more has been has been molded, and I think good coaches make good players, and not the other way around. So, like, I just think what Connor has done with this team and Kylie is just absolutely phenomenal. Because mm. you had to wonder, Murph, when we got half an hour into that game, Limerick have scored just five points. Kilkenny are probably playing as well as they possibly can play. Have got themselves into a decent position, five or six points up at that stage, and you're wondering whether they can take a lead into half time. It's almost a familiar story to what happened with Galway in the semi final, where you felt like Galway might have them on the ropes, and yet Limerick finished the half strongly, readjust, and just blow their opposition away in the second half. Yeah, um, I mean, three points up at half time. I was just kind of hoping it wouldn't be the one point because the one point would be just that bit more deflating in the tree for all of Kilkenny's hard work. But um, like I was, with, I was with Neil McManus and Kieran Carey at the game, and we were just chatting away about you know where do we think Kilkenny were at half time, and I was just going as like it still feels like this game is a draw because three points is nothing in hurling. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it is nothing against. Limerick, it's absolutely nothing, you know. Uh, and once Paddy Deegan's goal went in, I actually turned to Kieran Carey and I said, my one concern is that could steal the minds now of Limerick and they could kick off. And, like, it wasn't, you know, um, wasn't that I was unreal at predicting because I've made a lot of mistakes this year, but the fact that they just wiped out the Kenny's lead then straight away with points and, like, very quickly did it. It's like the pace changed in the game. It was very noticeable. And I just said, OK, here we go now. And, you know, then just there was a stage and even Derek Ling said it afterwards, once they got a run on Kilkenny, it, you just felt it going, it disappearing. And the thing was, from a Kilkenny point of view, you can kind of make your peace with it because I was looking at the Kilkenny lads going, they're trying as hard as they possibly can. You know, they're making all the right calls, they're trying to make the right calls. They're just being bet by a better team here. Like, that's just what's happening. So um, it was just remarkable stuff. And really after Paddy Deegan's goal, they just upped everything. I mean, the whole work, and it didn't, it didn't relent until the final whistle. And that's where they really showed whatever about anything else that's happened during the year. For me, those 19 points they scored after that was just where it went, right, this is a different level what you're dealing with. It was just incredible. Mm. I rewatched the match today, Skell, and I kind of came away from it when you watch it live and you see the fantastic scores that Peter Casey scored and you're kind of thinking, this is just incredible. Everything he's hitting is going over and you can totally understand how he gets man the match. Mm. Then I kind of rewatched it without the emotion at lunchtime today. And you just see what an influence Keane Lynch had on that game. The amount of times that he got on ball, the way he was linking up the attack and setting up everything for the forwards as well. This is kind of the performance we were almost expecting from Keane Lynch all year. I think he should have been man the match, to be honest. Yeah, like I, I think... Um, no, I'm not trying to discount Peter Casey's man the match. Like I, I, You could pick a, a multitude of players for that, for that award yesterday. But um, I suppose a lot of the... He got a couple of points when the game was effectively gone from Kikini. You know, it was kind of what was the phrase I'd use? It was champagne stuff. <laughs> I mean, it was champagne. Well, like the one from the the one from the sidelines, absolutely outrageous and brilliant. No, I'm telling you, they're absolutely brilliant and they're individual moments of class. No two ways about that. But I'm looking at the first half, and I actually tweeted at halftime about Keen Lynch, and I'm saying this my this guy is having a stormer. Like up to I don't know how it was 30 minutes, only the Patrick's Well Boys had scored, and Keen Lynch had a hand in, in a lot of things. You know, he was setting up things like he. Do you notice that he never runs straight? Like I, I mean. It's, it's gas watching him. He's never running, you know, a support line. He's always running perpendicular. He's, he's making, he's giving himself such angles to create openings. Like, and I, the thing about him is, like, he's, uh, what would you call it? Like, I suppose he's, his close contact release skills are unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it with, with Keane Lynch, you know. And the same with him and Morrissey. I don't know. Limerick as, as a whole, their close contact release skills, they get in, get the ball, and they get it out before he get wrapped up. It's absolutely phenomenal. But in the first half, Keane Lynch was, was kind of, 
I won't say he was leading the cause, but he was certainly the front runner, and he was kind of dragging Limerick back. And that last four or five minutes uh, in the first half, like he was scoring and assisting, you know. And in the second half, he just it was a continuation of same. So for me, man of the match was 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 Keane Lynch. Um, but like that, you 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 could talk to someone else different and say it was Jeremy Burns hitting, hitting eight points swing back, you know, or or even you know Dan Morrissey was brilliant, Barry Nash was brilliant. There's a bunch of players you could pick for different reasons. But like Lynch was definitely back to his best. He saved his best for last. Um, and I think it was probably the most, I, I'd imagine it was, it was an extremely satisfying year for him on a, on a personal level, considering what he's gone through over the last, you know, 12 months specifically with injuries and whatnot in form. So yeah, look, it was, it was a, it was a hu- huge ending to a, to a huge player for Limerick and fair person. Hmm. That's it, Murph. We kind of expected some of those big players were going to stand up. And again, when you see Lynch in that type of form, as a Kilkenny man, you're not going to enjoy watching it. But as a neutral, you can't help but appreciate the skills the guy's got. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But look, even as a Kilkenny man, um, you can just sit back and look and go, it's just incredible. Um, And I thought there was one passage of play where I just thought, uh, you know, two players passing by each other, Owen Cody and himself, Owen Cody actually did a hand pass, a dummy hand pass, and Keen, it was Keane Lynch who was giving it to her. But in the moment, I was I was just looking at it going, like, there's two players that seem to play a samba type of hurling, if that's what you want to call it. Like, they're very expressive in how they play, but I was admiring Keane Lynch in the first half. Even though, you know, you're hoping to Kenny win, you can still sit back and look at him going, what he's doing, exactly like Scale is saying there. He was just running lines and reading what was in front of him, changing the direction of his run if he needed popping a pass, you know, like popping it off the hurl, popping a hand pass, short stick pass, whatever it is. Yeah. And he just, it's just, his movement is just so good. And I, we reference so many things about this Limer team to say they've brought it to a new level. But Keen Lynch, individually as a player, has brought, um, what would you say? It's, it's like you have to go to another sport to kind of look at the Iniesta type plays in that he just sits in this pocket, reads the game, doesn't stick to one script. He just kind of moves around and sees what's happening. But without him there, you wonder... How well does it click? Like it still clicks without them. We 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 saw last year they won the All Ireland final, but you'd nearly look back at last year's All Ireland final and say, well, if Keane Lynch was there, you know, you'd have to say they would have won by five or six points in the end, not two points. You know, so it is just remarkable. And look, even as a Kilkenny man, like you have to just sit back and go, look, it's just an incredible performance out of them. And you know what? I mean, it's it, it's unfortunate Declan Hannan wasn't there yesterday, but I suppose incredibly just that. At some stage, Keane Lynch got to lift Lee McCarthy as well. Because who's, who's to say what happens over the next few years in terms of captains and different things? But, you know, it was, it was, it was very justified that he got to lift it and made a great speech also after the game. Hmm. A very good point made by Robert Hartigan here. The character and will to win of these Limerick players is immense. That everything thrown at them this year and stood up to it. And you take the injuries with Sean Finn and Declan Hannon into account. And I saw a few people making the argument yesterday. It's probably been since the final against Cork in 21 that they've actually had a full what will be their first 15 to pick from where they haven't had someone out injured at some point. Uh, but he also says big thank you to Tip for blowing it against Waterford. And that's the thing, Scal. There is a sliding doors moment in this year. Like Limerick were up against it. I don't agree with Darrow Donovan's comments where he said that people were writing them off going into that court game but the reality is that things fell nicely in the last round of Munster they got them into a Munster final and they just kind of kicked on from there but the element of danger was there Limerick could have been knocked out of the championship early this year absolutely yeah sure like Munster is a pot of hatred <laughs> down there like you know they're all like I, I don't think I, I don't know do, 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 I don't think Limerick played their best hurling in Munster if I'm honest um, I think they played the best hurling in Cork Park which is I think kind of obvious but like there's I suppose when they're the top dog uh, and, and when they're kind of winning all around them, a narrative get created, let's say, amongst the public or amongst opposition fans that they get all the big calls. Like, But in truth, they, they did get a couple of big calls that could could have potentially swayed things in the year. 
But at the end of the day, they didn't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It didn't happen. And like, I know they, people were pointing to the, the Waterford slippy start and the Tipperary could have gone through. But ultimately, everyone's fate was in their own hands. That's the way I look at it. You know, Tipperary could have beaten Waterford and got through. It was all in their own hands. So it was in nobody's control but themselves. And they couldn't do it. So it's just like Gower Kilkenny in the last two games. It was in our own hands to try and defeat Limerick. We couldn't do it. And ultimately, here, here are Limerick with the cup again. And, you know, I just think like, it's very, it was very, very similar. You look at Limerick 224, Galway 118, right? So obviously the gap there is, is 30 points, 21. And the same as yesterday, 30 points, 215. It just goes to show like that, that, that I suppose when Limerick play a team in Crow Park, it's not because the team is you know, down in tools, you know, losing faith, you know, giving up, etc. It's just that Limerick are that good, let's, they're that good. And when the game's at that stadium, they, they really, really execute. So go back to their four finals in the last four years, where they've had Kinney. Last year was a much tighter affair, the Waterford Cup. Like, they've basically demolished three out of the four uh, teams in three out of the four finals. So, like, it's, again, I feel like 12 months ago, we had the same conversation. <laughs> we had the same conversation of how good Limerick are. But it was a slippery slope. And come here, the run will, it will come to an end someday. Someday it'll come to an end. But, and here's me like saying that I, I hope through the five in a row. As a going man, I hope we stop them. But I say, I was still, I'm, I'm, I'm in favour, let's say, of history being made. And I suppose either history is going to get made one way, they're going to get beaten, or they're going to hit through the five in a row. So that remains to be seen. Like Murph, I think we put three performances where you really go, wow, with this Limerick team. Like the kind of seminal performances when we look back, if you're doing the DVD, you'd have the comeback in the Munster final 21 against Tipperary that second half the way they blew Cork away I think in the first half in the All-Ireland final of that year and probably the second half against Kilkenny yesterday like they're the three that really make you go they absolutely blitz the opposition and that's Hurling probably played as well as we've ever seen by any team yeah absolutely and yeah, yesterday even given the conditions how well they played and once they got into the groove like the points that were going over majority from the sideline I think of Carl O'Neill's um, point out over the sideline Galan um, popping that ball over Peter Casey like they were incredible scores seeing a Dermot Burns back near his own 40 um, brilliant scores and like the, the one that kind of initiated was Garod Hegarty's one it was just after let's say that contention 65 ball lands out to him Garod Hegarty he, puts it over the bar and I felt the atmosphere changing in the stadium just through the Limerick fans because it was out to three points now and you felt okay this is this is picking up and really once the momentum got going there they were just out of sight um, but absolutely I think this performance yesterday though like as impressive as the one against Tipperary and Park Aquiv was um, I just thought that yesterday was brought to a new level again because it was all Ireland final day against the Kilkenny team that had thrown a lot at him I mean you go back to again the first half performance against Cork brilliant but we look at Cork that day and Cork were zonal marking um, players like Higgerty again roam through just for a goal you could point holes at Cork there but I just thought yesterday was picking it up even another notch again because um, like, like I said from Kilkenny point of view you're looking at our lads going you know they're, they're dying in their boots there but they just can't do any more because these lads are just relentless and there's another another passage to play I can't think who finished it off um, I think for a second now maybe it was Cahill O'Neill and I'm not sure but the passage of play there maybe 10 minutes ago and they worked the ball out through hand passes and it was literally popping the ball through hand passes, worked it up the side. I'm, fair, I'm nearly sure it was Cahill O'Neill was just on and popped it over the bar, but they, they just did things that I just said, like, I mean, like Skell was saying, how do you defend against it? How do you play against it? I mean, it's in their hands. It's not in the other team's hands. It's completely in theirs. So, um, yeah, like three, three incredible performances that you marked out there, Will, but I just think yesterday's was above all them. 
Is there no sense of frustration, though, Murph, about the way that Kilkenny faded in the game? Because I think it's two scores in play in the last 20-odd minutes. So, like, they really did fade out in their own steam, but also they struggled to stem Limerick, who were running off five points in a row, five points in a row. I think 10 points to one was uh, the sequence they had mm-hmm. after the second goal. Um, we always talk about, you know, being able to reset, maybe being able to spoil and stop a team. Was there any frustration about the fact that Kilkenny weren't able to stem that flow? Um, frustration... Maybe like uh, the, the one thing I thought about, like people were asking, you know, should Derek Ling have made changes earlier? Should he have done, you know, whatever when the game was in touch and distance? But you look back at the semi final against Galway, and Henry Shefflin was criticised for trying to be too proactive. In that Galway were in the ascendancy, and he tried to stem the tide of this Limerick surge that was going to come, and it just didn't work anyway. And people actually criticised Shefflin for saying, you know, why why did you change it? No, no more than myself because I said, you know, it was working. You should have left it. But I heard like Derek Lane speaking after the game and I've seen Derek make really considered substitutes over the year and I felt that he's really got it right, no more so than the Clare game. But looking back at this game, yeah, I was frustrated that Limerick were getting a run on Kilkenny, but I was also looking at it going, how do Kilkenny stop it? I mean, how do they stop this? The substitutes that they could bring in, absolutely, there's great fellas there, but there's a reason Limerick are scoring 19 points to Kilkenny's five in the last you know, 25 minutes, they're just the better team. And like, as I said earlier, some lads are saying, geez, it's hard to take nearly. I, there's a certain element of peace I can take out of it to say that, you know, you are beaten by the better team. Yeah. If Kilkenny were beaten by one point yesterday, <laughs> two points, and you looked at you know, a mistake or something, you went, oh, we did this wrong, we did that wrong. Like, Kilkenny or Limerick were just the better team. And potentially there were substitutes that Derry could have made that may have narrowed the gap by two or three points. I think, but I don't think you could take anything away here to say that Derek Ling could have made a raft of changes that would have won the game for Kenny. I think that's far too much of a reach. Um, and I think that's not being overly critical of Kenny. And I think it's something that uh, Derek has said that he just basically said, look, they're an exceptional team. And when they get a run on you, it's extremely hard. And we've seen brilliant managers over the last few years try and stop that run and they haven't been able to do it. So to be honest, for me, I'm able to put it to bed and just go, yeah, it's disappointing. We, we we know we need maybe a few more players to come through or a few more players to raise their game. But um, that being said, for the match yesterday, you're able to park it and say Limerick were just completely the better team. The subs they brought in were immense. Cahill O'Neill and that's like, they were just brilliant. So I can kind of just go, yeah, a few changes here and there, but we weren't going to beat them regardless. It was all in Limerick's hands. Yeah, and like Murph, I'm not trying to retire anyone here, but when I hear you say that maybe there needs to be three or four changes, there are guys who are coming kind of naturally towards the end, and maybe this was even the last dance for them, and probably you know a year past Cody that they were staying on the panel. Like, do you anticipate big changes on the Kilkenny panel for next season? Yeah, um, I, I, I do presume, I do assume that a good, well, a few lads will step away, and it's it's a natural conversation to have because quite a few of the lads have been there since. I mean, sure, look, TJ has been there since 2006 or seven, really, and Richie Hogan and these lads. And it's natural to assume these lads who are 36, 35, 33, whatever it is. Like any time, really, once you hit 31, you're kind of going year by year then, seeing how the body is, seeing how the interest is, where is life at. Um, but I do, from seeing the age profile of good few Kenny lads, um, I do assume there will be four retirements maybe and that's just putting it out there and it's not speculating or putting pressure but I do see that I just see Go see on, who are the four actually. you see going then? I'm not going to say the four I see going like you naturally have to think I mean and You were clearly counting them up so I have to ask you I know yeah but it's unfair to me again if 
saying like I'm a retiring lads because it feels like on one side that you're retiring a fella or a fella mightn't have the intentions or the second side is that you feel a fella mightn't be good enough that he should naturally retire like naturally TJ and Richie Hogan you're going to say it's absolutely going to be under consideration for them you know mm-hmm. they're at the age they're at um, you, you particularly you know you maybe say Richie with his injuries I mean he's just he's just been plagued with injuries um, but for the rest of them I think it'd be unfair for me because all of the rest of the lads who were there that could retire still could give another year at the same time so I think it's unfair as a Kilkenny person or someone you know in that situation who also knows the lads to be saying about them oh yeah they're probably going to retire when they mightn't have any they mightn't have any intention of doing it they might say actually I'm really enjoying where I'm at at the moment I know I'm not going to make the team but I feel I have something to contribute in the dressing room and Kilkenny are probably going to bring on a few more players younger lads over the years they like to believe Ren and Garo done in these lads <coughs> and maybe it's important for me to be there so yeah, Richie Hogan and TJ reading these lads, but I don't think for the rest of them, I think it'd be fair to say in my position to go, oh, I think those lads are potentially going to step away. And is there talent coming through, Murph? Like, you know, Phelan was very, very good. I thought he was very bright during the game and he's mm-hmm. been a fine this year. And I know all three of us like Blanchfield over the last two seasons and like, quite a pity he was injured and wasn't able to play in the final. But are there other players coming through, I don't know, maybe just outside of that kind of 20s age range? Because we knew a bit about the 20s team last year. Minor hasn't been the most successful for Kilkenny in recent seasons. But for New Blood, are there players there outside the panel that could come in and make a difference? There are. Um, there certainly are players outside the panel. But to say that there's going to be players that are going to come in and immediately be ready for, for Kilkenny uh, senior hurling, or for, sorry, inter-county senior hurling, uh, I think is a bit of a stretch. Like There, there are definitely players there that are showing signs. And that Derek is the right fella, having an understanding of the underage hurl and the other twenties. Derek does have his finger on the pulse of that, but I think it would be it'd be inaccurate to say that for the lads that he could potentially lose, that there's lads suitable replacements to come in and pick up where it left off. I don't think that's that's a fair statement. But there are, um, like realistically, any year if you were taken, like I was down at Limerick Supporters Club event during the week there, and they were saying what what minor team was it where they took thirteen off it, like which is unheard of. Any intercounty set up if you take let's say disregard minor you're really looking at your 20s if you take four or five lads in from a, from a, an under 20 group that's that's serious going to kenny have taken the likes of billy drennan and garod dunn timmy clifford and these lads in those lads look strong they look potential but at the same time we saw billy drennan hurling at the start of the year and maybe just the step up into the in, into the championship level was just a year or two off for him so could kenny do have lads to come in but look we've seen by the success over the last few years as well that, you know, Kilkenny needs to also maybe just step up at the underage level in terms of competing. We're competing well, but maybe not as as well as other counties in terms of their their strength conditioning. Um, they're competing for All-Ireland's consistency as well. So look, there's certainly players to come in, but I think there'll be a year or two of blood and maybe even three years of blood and before we'll really see those players seriously step into the fray. Hmm. James Cockley making the point there I agree with Murph about changes of definitely TJ to stay for at least one more year for transition um, it was one of those days as well we talked about it at the live show on Thursday scale that there probably wasn't enough for scoring return from the Kilkenny forwards like the game finishes with Dermot Burns as top scorer a defender on the Limerick team and again TJ has to rely on dead balls for his scores and it just there wasn't enough contribution across that Kilkenny forward line really on the day was there? No, it wasn't like, and I suppose <clears throat> like it, uh, people have to realize again that I think Limerick are in. Is this, is this year seven with the current management team? That they're yeah, both seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like they're they're a finely true machine. Let's say so. If if one of their players or two of the players gets shut down, the other players step up. You know what I mean? Because the team facilitates that. Whereas a lot of the other teams like the Kinnies and Galways and all, like, 
you know, caught and clear. They're not at that level collectively yet. So you're depending on individuals to, <laughs> you know, to, to, I suppose, produce the goods day in, day out all the time. So like Owen Cody was going to have to score one five. <laughs> you know what I mean? TJ was going to have to score 12 by and so on and so forth. And that was a concern for me uh, last week was, was how were Kikini, um, you know, develop that score and, could they get their efficiency rate up against Limerick? You know, could they get more points off less chances? Because I think teams that nearly know that when they're going to face Limerick, they're going to get less scoring chances, less less shooting. So could Kilkenny get up to eighty percent, eighty five percent, even with the with the pressure that Limerick exert? So and the answer was no. Like and that the answer for every team this year has has, has been really no. And the, tr- the trouble is when you get into Crow Park against a team like like Limerick. Like they just, it's it's their hunting ground. I have to say, like they just enjoy the space, they enjoy the big arena, um, and they perform on the big stage. And it seems like they time it very, very well, and um, to perform at the latter end of the championship, which is which is key for successful teams. You can do it for years, you know, produce the best performances on the big days. Because even if I go back to the the uh, the six, seven, eight, and nine, you can eat, like if I go back to sixth, Hammer Cork, Wallop Limerick, Wallop Watford. And got through a tough games against Tipperary, but you know, they were in their pomp at the at, at the, the right time of the year. And that's just the way Limerick are. Unfortunately for Kikini, look, there's nothing they can do about it. As you know, I, we can sit here and, and make reasons or excuses, or whatever. But just that they came up against a different animal. And if you t- if you took anybody yesterday and put them in that position, whether it be the players, whatever, the same thing would have happened. I fully believe that the same thing would have happened. It's not just it was Kikini that you know got rolled over a goal the, the two weeks previous. The same thing would happen to anyone. That's just the enemy you're facing it. So even with Clare having such an effective game plan against Limerick over the no, last two years, you no, this is blown away. No, blown away. Absolutely blown away. Not and not a notion would Clare have come in, let's say, to to uh, to what Limerick's performance was yesterday. And I don't mean that I'm not trying to try and shave them. I'm saying Kilkenny, Clare, put them together. They're not coming up against Limerick the way when Limerick performed that way yesterday, right? When, when they truly get in their run and the pump and they can go down four, five or six points and then go up five or six points. Like, that is just unreal. There's no team that can do that, less for a sustained period. You know what I mean? Like, they're proper patches. And when they get a proper patch, they make absolute hate. Do you know what I mean? And they make it so hard for teams to come back and then they close up the games, you know? Because they have the answer. I keep saying this, like, if teams defend, you know what I mean? They can go long. You know, they can shoot from long. If teams push up, they can go around you or they go through you. Because they have the clientele and they have the... Uh, you know, they have the clientele and they have the, I suppose, the game model, I keep saying before, to uh, to take down every other team. So, again, I, 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 from a neutral perspective, it was actually when Galang got his point and whatever minute that was, that was after like a kind of a minute or two minutes of a crazy passage. You know what I mean? I was nearly, I was at the edge of my seat saying, this is flipping great stuff. You know what I mean? But that was, that, when that Galang pounded over, you just said, oh, and then Jared Donovan's point, the tide is, it's just beginning to turn. They're just going to turn turn up the dial a small bit and you're wondering, could Kenny come back and, and throw a punch of their own and just they couldn't and I, I fully believe no other team could do that either less. and Munster's a different area Munster's way different like when you go into the, the, the provincial championships down there tighter events tighter, tighter pitches tighter areas you know you know 70-80% home fans it's different it's different uh, of fish entirely and I think if Limerick are going to get turned over it'll definitely be in Munster I can't see them getting turned over in a semi-final or final in Crow Park so the, the concern for them next year if there is a concern for them is getting out, imagine getting out of Munster and they're going for five in a row it's ridiculous even to right. say it Look, but, Tipperary have stopped the last two five in a row it's both Cork and Kilkenny so maybe Tip have to stop them in Munster that's the key knock them out before they get to the final Yeah, well yeah like because again like the, the wheel is turning, turning hard and when they get into Crow Park again it's proven it has been proven they haven't lost in Crow Park since yourselves Murph is that right isn't it yeah, sales, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, haven't, they haven't lost in Crow Park since yourselves, like, and they've just 
elevated the performance way way up. Like I suppose where where Galway and Clare have have struggled to win in Crow Park of recent, Limerick just keep winning and winning and winning. And I th- as I said, I think if there is going to be a chink in the armor, it'll be down in Cusick Park or down in Walsh Park if it's redeveloped or Park Creek or something like that. You know what I mean? I just I find it hard to see them um, getting caught when they get up to Dublin. Well, they go to Cusick Park next year, so that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, Patrick Oman, good to meet you on Thursday as well. Uh, click any average winning score over there, four in a row. So that was uh, six to nine, was 9.5. Limerick's average four in a row, 9.5, 2020, 2023. So when you take the Waterford scutcheon into account, particularly with the Kilkenny wins in those years, it maybe puts into context uh, what Limerick are doing currently as well. I knew full well that Kieran Carey had caused a problem for you as well on Thursday night, Skell. Uh, what do I see here coming up from our good pal River Power? Hey. Skirton, hmm. James Skirton. I meant I didn't call way worse. <laughs> <laughs> I was well, called an hour ago down in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep minded too much been called Kieran Casey as well, so there you go. Um well there's an interesting one from Enda Burke. What was the feedback from Mammy Skehel after the live pod? Considering she had to sit there and sit through us and canning roast you for about half an hour. In good spirit. No, she, by the way. In fairness, she she thoroughly enjoyed it. She thought it was a great event. Um she thought Tommy Walsh was outstanding. Tommy Walsh is a, a favourite hurler of hers. Kieran Carey was 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 kind of her favourite hurler back in the day as well. Um, but she got not great change out Tommy Walsh, thinking he was you know he should be a comedian as opposed to a, a pundit. Um, but she just think everything was well organised. You know, had no bad thing to say about anything I said. Bear a few, you know, swear, swear jar again. It's filled up as, as we... But again, that, was, that heart came up naturally. I couldn't remember about that. <laughs> I do like the, a lot of people have either watched the videos at this stage or were there on Thursday based on the comments here. So I hear the Guard <laughs> Association's up in arms every time a car is stopped now and Galway, the driver asks, Skell, is that you? Um, so watch oh, out for the man with his dodgy hat. If you, if you haven't seen any of the live show, by the way, we put it up in kind of three parts. So it's all available on the uh, Off The Ball YouTube at the moment. And really, other than the match preview, none of the rest of it dates because most of it's just uh, war stories from Skell and canning for the best part and a bit of crack with uh, Kerry and with um, Murph of course talking about Kilkenny then with Tommy Welch and ah look it's all a good watch go back and have a look through um, a few people make the point as well that Cork could well be the next coming force and that is a very good point when you consider the success they've had at underage level it's whether they can now maybe bring it on to the next level and take on this uh, team because like when I think about it as well um, Murph you look at the fact that Knurk has to be so key to this he's 37 years of age He's won nine different All-Irelands now across underage, senior, both with Clare and with Limerick. Like, it kind of uh, puts it into context. Like, we'll all reach 37 probably in not that long. Mm. When you consider how much this guy's achieved as a coach, most people start out coaching in their late 30s. Yeah, it's it's remarkable and still probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. Like, um, it uh, like, people often... <clears throat> want hurling and it is like you know it could be an emotional sport and inspirational sport and that you know you're you play it as you see it and it's all about skill over everything else but I think you can see the influence of how he processes the game that's in front of him um, like we heard he and Lynch talk about all the statisticians and all these different things and even again Kieran Carey was saying it yesterday he said they just go through everything with a fine tooth comb from what he knows of the setup that they just go through everything and it really does seem to be the case because if you don't go through with a fine-tooth comb, there leaves elements for holes, cracks in the foundations and different things, but you just don't see the cracks there. You can't see any holes, and they hit their targets and stuff. And I don't know whether it was a coincidence or what that it was the last score, but they celebrated the 30th point, but it seems to be like that's the target, you know, that we hit that right on 73 minutes. Um, We said what we were going to do, and 
at all times with, with this team. And I think it is down to, obviously, of course, Kylie as well. But, I mean, I, I do think John Kylie gets the credit. Um, Canark seems to know how to, what a team is going to throw at them and how to adapt to it. And that really, when you look at teams down through the years, has really been teams undoing most of the time. Uh, it's just that a team comes with a plan that they're not ready for and how do they adapt. Canark just seems to know. Um, and, and it very much seems to be a game plan that works off Limerick focusing on themselves. Granted, we'll take into consider, consideration a few dangerous um, a few dangerous plans that the, the opposition might have, but it's all about us. And look, we heard he's Dr. Paul Canark now, like he's put in serious hours into this at age 37. And you consider he's at 37 and we saw the array of titles he has, um, not just with Limerick, but with Clare also and, and, and a variety of teams. It's just remarkable. And I didn't actually know he was 37. I mean, just through having heard about him for so many years and how long he feels to be around, you'd be saying that he's a man in his mid-40s. Now, you might say, why does that matter? Well, it's just I'm just thinking down the road, like, where is this going to go? And where is, whatever about Limerick, or who, I imagine Limerick could be mad to let go of him now, but wherever this goes, like, what will Paul Canurk have at the end of it? I mean, he, he genuinely will be considered, he'll probably be the first man who's not a manager of a team to be considered a, a legendary coach of the game. Like, we, we, we yeah. kind of more have iconic managers. Um, you know, your Mick O'Dwyer's or, you know, I mean, all he's at, he seems to be the first man ever now who's going to be an iconic coach. And I think it's opening up, well, it is opening up a brand new layer to the whole thing. Like, I mean, go back to scale talk with the NFL and different things. Paul Knurk has just opened a new chapter, I think, in, in the whole thing. And he will be like the person that they look back at and go, this fella changed the game. Um, and I just... It is remarkable. And, you know, I, I genuinely do believe that he doesn't still get the credit. I think you can give him all the credit, but he still just does not get the credit he deserves for what he's after doing with this Limerick team. And again, that's not to take away from John Kiley. I just, I'm so impressed with everything I hear about Paul Canuck. And I don't know the fella. I just, I'm so impressed with everything I hear about him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would think at this stage, Skell, Claire would be sick to let him go. Oh, Jesus. Or don't even. Jesus. I think anybody that had him at Honestly, this stage no, like, looking back. I mean, presumably oh, we, with loads of teams, and you know, we think I, I, about yeah. the potential that Claire had in 2013, though. Like, this uh, isn't a dig, by the way. I'm just saying. I think, um, they were well set to be a successful team for a long period of time, and to watch what Canark has achieved in the last seven years in Limerick must be a killer. Yeah, it wasn't again. I, I could have my facts wrong here now, but I think off memory, wasn't he involved with Claire at one level, winning with him as well? Wasn't yeah, he? wouldn't all learn under 21. Yeah. So like, so my, he he would have had. I use the word tentatively, moulded a group or a crop of, of underage players that could have transformed it to senior. They did, don't come on, they won the Ireland, uh, transformed it to senior and then stayed there and, and reached a phase of longevity with them, you know? And I just, I, I'd say if you're from player or if you were a player back then, you're probably looking at it, let's say, as opportunities missed because they, again, and I said here on the pod that I've, I've spoken to a couple of fair players who have spoken about Knurk in depth and told me things about him, etc. And it just sounds like, Jesus, like we're dealing with a, a Pep Guardiola here. Do you know what I mean? And like, if I, I was just reading something about, do you remember Rennie Mullen, I, I can't remember his name, Mullenstein, he was the assistant yeah. coach for Ferguson back then, right? Well, there was an article about him where he, where Ferguson called him in um, and he said, listen, I don't care what you do with your training sessions, but I want you to play with power. I want you to join your sessions with power, pace, um, power, pace, unpredictability and penetration. Something like that, I think it was power, pace. Yeah, it was power, pace, penetration, unpredictability. So he said, I don't care what you do with your sessions, make sure every session is tailored towards that. So he did set a set of principles like, and I just look at Knurk and go, Jesus, that man is definitely, every session has a plan. 
And like, if you if you there's actually I remember I said about a book here before, Party Gannon wrote, uh, "Be the best you can be in sport." Hmm. Knurk has a chapter in that. So today I went back and read it again, just just to to kind of reiterate what I, what I've been reading from previously. And everything that Limerick are doing, let's say, looks like it's pure. I know the word is, is cliche, is process driven. So every session is designed, um, and I get the sense that they don't work on you know, touch work or hand passing or in the, in the training sessions. Everything in the training sessions is centered around game model or game plan. And then everything else thing with the player to do in their own time. Do you get me? Mm-hmm. So if you're doing the ball, what? Do it in your own time. That, that's, that's time for yourself. But when you're on the training pitch, it's time for the collective. And I just get the sense that's what they're doing the whole time. Whereas, you know, some, some groups, you even part more, if you do a heap of touch work, you do a heap of hand passing, a heap of, you know, whatever. But that's, I'd say that's probably time lost in Canuck's mind. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He's focusing, he's he's creating a model in training that the players are adapting to. And it just seems it's amazing to me. Like and it's like a it's a it's a ground rabbit hole. Like how far can you go into this 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 whole thing? Like I was wondering, is he going to stay with Limerick? Is he going to go with the five and all? Is a professional team going to come in after him? Because I can presume I presume whatever let's say this guy is a PhD now in small games, remember that? <laughs> that whatever uh whatever game or sport or whatever he goes at that he could adapt his coaching style towards it like so would a big soccer team come from would the RFU go from like who knows he's probably working with them already behind the scenes and we don't know about it so like it's just where he's going to go at oh, 37 two years older than me here I am <laughs> like so like I understand he had a short playing career because of injury and whatnot. so he's had a time you know, to get into coaching but like he's remarkable and Murphy had a perfect phrase there an iconic coach that's what he is like. And I think he's, when people say he's brains behind the operation, that's not doing anyone else an injustice in the Limerick setup. But really and truly, when you're looking at Limerick and the way they play, Knurk. No, so. you, you surround yourself with the best people, Scal. That, that's no um, slight on Kylie in any way. No. Like, I think we talk about Kylie and Knurk because you hear Keen Lynch on the steps of the Hogan Stand yesterday and he's talking about, you've got a great mental coach and uh, you've got all that in place and you've got this huge backroom team that's there these are people who've been successful elsewhere like you take someone who's worked with the Dublin footballers you take someone who's worked with the Clare Hurlers and who's won in All-Ireland you bring these people into the camp yeah. that's the sign of a really good manager if you're John Kiley that you can actually be the manager of a management group that has all these brilliant people in it well it is like an, I suppose the only one the only real team or, or, or group I can kind of equate that to would be like Jim Gavin's Dublin you know I presume Jim Gavin wasn't a good analyst. I presume he wasn't a good, you know, forwards coach. I presume he wasn't a good S&C coach. But what he was, it was he was a very, very good man manager, near like a managing director of a big business, you know, and very calm and methodical. And like even when you, when you look at Kylie and the way he speaks publicly, uh, you know, he's very measured. Like, and he there's kind of like an emotion to everything he says. And you're, you're looking at him well, going, yeah, that's you know what I like Skell was when he wasn't measured when he went up to lift the cup. I Passage. liked that he actually Robert. enjoyed Absolute it a bit. Robert. Gave it socks in the interview afterwards as well. You could tell yeah. this four in a row meant a tremendous amount to him. Yeah, and if anybody says like he shouldn't have done that, like bullshit, go f- extra stuff. Like the man has probably put in how many hours a week, let's say over the last seven years. You know what I mean? I- I'd say in his role uh, behind the-, the the machine that is Limerick, like he could be doing, I, c- I could be saying fifty hours a week. I don't know. He could be doing that that many many hours a week, let's say in season and off season. So he's perfectly entitled to enjoy, you know, a victory of, of that magnitude. But like like you said, go back to your your question. Like he he just seems to be at the head of the boat steering it, you know what I mean? And like that's that's as critical as anything because if you have someone in his position who is egotistical or wants to be in the limelight or who is you know has has a clash of character, one of the coaches who who was a really good coach or a really good person, mm. I'd say the whole thing can fall down. So like it, that that whole group just seems to be completely synchronized both on the pitch and off it. And uh, I just find it very interesting that he Kylie goes back to Clark every time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I'd say every every person in that group has their 
you know, has their role and responsibility. And not not on very levels, but I think everyone does does things well. And and again, when I hear them speaking, there's a there's a respect for everyone, whether it be, you know, fucking Hurley Carrier or you know the psychological coach at Caroline Curran or you know Knock etc. There's like uh there's a why are you laughing at them or why are you laughing? It's just it was the most needless fuck when you said Hurley <laughs> Ever <Carrier>. of all time. Of all the Euros you've put in the swear jar all season, that's the one that was so unnecessary. <laughs> I just can't I I, can't, I I don't know, like and I, I try that. We, we, we were actually we were sat down before the road show like, I try more. I do people said, Listen, pick and choose. We don't mind a few, but like make them important ones. And I just it went back to that that, that was not an important fuck hurry yeah. carrier. That just came up. <laughs> I, I don't know. You were talking so passionately about Paul Knurk and John Kiley, and then a Hurley and Carrier just got a fuck. So as, oh, as, 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 as the same American, do better. Just do better. <laughs> I'm change the tone ever so slightly, Murph, for you on this one, coming in from Liam Lennon. Because uh, you asked the lads, so I'll put this directly to you, Murph, why Keane Lynch is able to avoid being man-marked like Tony Kelly. It's not about like anyone else man-marked. I'm guessing some of this is down to the fact that he's so elusive. And like Skell was saying earlier, he doesn't really have a set position. He doesn't run in straight mm. lines. I presume he's a very difficult guy to track unless you put a literal man-marker to sit on him. Um, yeah, I think as well, and it's it's Limerick's, which I know I've seen Limerick supporters get upset about this, but the system, now I know they, they don't want you to say a system at times, but Limerick's system is so good that for a player, Tony Kelly ha- kind of has to go. He, he has to go and follow the man-marker. We, we saw him following Mikey Butler at times, but then with Keen Lynch, he knows that that person that's gone up the pitch will get absorbed by the defence because of they'll all track back. Like, he's moving back. And by not following him, when Limerick turn over the ball, Keen Lynch is then free to move into a position to take the ball. Whereas Tony Kelly has followed his man, which we saw in the semi-final, down the pitch, turned him over. And, and now Tony Kelly is now 100 yards from goal, turning the ball over. Now, granted, Shane O'Donnell's goal was set up by Tony Kelly picking up the ball in that area. But Keen Lynch doesn't have to do that because... Everybody around him is functioning so highly as part of a group and part of a system. When your person goes, now, it doesn't always work. You'll often get shooters there. You saw at the start of the game, Kilkenny were actually able to spread the ball wide. Paddy Deegan popped up with the first score because he, was, he went so wide. But over the course of the game, because Limerick sit back, uh, absorb what what's being thrown at them, and then move as a unit up the field, popping the ball off, it's... Keane Lynch can, has the freedom then to sit in that pocket and not very too far out. Like, I mean, he, he doesn't get dragged. He doesn't have to get dragged because if you're getting dragged, it means that you're being dictated too as opposed to you're being proactive in, in your own game. So Keane Lynch can just fire away there. And if you want to mark him, okay, take a man out of the game. But at the same time, you have Tomars, Tom Morrissey, Garrod Hegarty and all these boys firing around him. So I just think it's the system and how Limerick are able to set up that Keen Lynch doesn't have to be a man marker chasing back needlessly back to his own 21 because, you know, your Dan Morrissey's, like, look, your Limerick defence as a whole on your midfield, just track back, cut out that threat and then move forward again. So it, it, it is, it, it goes back to what I was saying about, I think Joe said the other night, the road show, it could have been you, that just on a different note, let's say, it's like Declan Hannaby missing from Limerick in that, of course, it's a big thing, but at the same time, to another team, it'll be devastating. It'll be like Dahi Burkby missing Galway because... Galway system isn't the equivalent of Limerick's. It's now a massive hole in the back. But Limerick don't have that problem because as a unit, they're so strong. And similarly, that works for Keane Lynch not having to man because it's just as a unit, they work so well together. Yeah. Mm. 
I'd agree with Ronan C on this one. When Limerick lads start to retire and start putting out autobiographies, people will be keen uh, to get some insights into the machine. I'm, look, I'm sure some of them will probably go into punditry afterwards as well. It'll be uh, interesting to see where it goes. Exactly. Like this book when it came out. Shefflin's book came out first and there wasn't a lot in it. And then Jackie's book came out and there was a good bit in it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all well, that's it. Which you'd probably expect in fairness, but there you go. Um, the Don, question for Paul Murphy and Richie Reid. Last year he wasn't able for Kyle Hayes, yesterday he wasn't able for Keane Lynch. Lynch was arguably man of the match. Do Kilkenny need a change up at six? So was Richie Reid the right six or was that more of a Limerick issue? Uh, the Don's question there, uh, Murph. I didn't think Richie Reid was bad at six. Um, I actually thought he picked up quite a bit of ball and especially in the first half he was very, he, he, he was on a lot of ball. Now I'm open to be corrected on that, but... I think this is more Keen Lynch be Keen Lynch than it is of any one player not being up to scratch. Like Richie Reed's role there, and like you saw, he was injured for the Leinster final, but Kenny got him back in straight away. Is that he drifts across that half back line and picks up a lot of ball and and uses it invariably really well. Um, and I, I think what you're obviously touching on there, what the comment is touching on, is that do you need maybe more of a traditional style man marker at centre back I think it goes back to the earlier point like Keane Lynch was having a Keane Lynch day and that's full respect to Keane Lynch and and, and admiration for him I don't think you know if you had Tyke Burke there yesterday if you had yeah. you know whoever if you had Kieran Joyce there I just think it was Keane Lynch's day and every so often we see players just have that it's like a road Hegarty last year you know you can say a player struggled on him or you can say this player had an exceptional game. And I think Ian Lynch had an exceptional game yesterday because Richie Reid was involved. You know, he was he was getting on ball. He was get, he was breaking up balls, particularly in the first half. Um, so I don't think he can take much away from there. I just think Ian Lynch had an exceptional game. And I, don't, I wouldn't even want to take from Ian Lynch's performance by saying that, oh, if he was marking another player, that he would have he would have been less influential in the game. I just think there was no one to match him yesterday. Hmm. This is almost meta. There's now someone on YouTube who has an account called James Skirting. I don't think the G goes on. I think it's meant to be, I think it's, I think it's meant yes. to be skirt. So I, I assume this isn't Skell slowly but surely using his phone in the, under the table there, no? No, no, no. I don't think so. No. Now, he did call him Skirtle, first of all, but it was, it was Tommy started calling him Skirting then after skirting. that. I uh, love the story Murph told on Thursday about Tommy Welsh dropping himself into the ice path inch by inch and saying we're effing back. Brilliant. It is really good. Uh, it's a clip you'll pick up if you uh, don't watch the middle section of the chat from Thursday, which has a good few Kilkenny stories in it. It might cheer you up if you're a Kilkenny fan uh, thinking about the 2000s. And also, crucially, after Kilkenny were stopped for the five in a row, coming back and being successful in the years that followed as well. That is the challenge for Limerick even beyond next year is um, how Cody was able to rebuild and still be successful afterwards. Also, I had someone asking as well, I can't find the exact comment here, but I'll, I'll paraphrase. What is James Scales' favourite ice cream? Like, what an unusual time to ask this, given, you know, we've had bad weather since St. Swidden's Day. But go on, what do you like as an ice cream, Scal? Uh, Bin Jerry's Caramel. Oh. Ooh. That's a bit fancy. Very, very American. Small little pots. Little, 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 small little pots, they're lovely. Jeez, I would have thought it would have been a bit of a... My good wife buys... An ice burger or something. She buys two of them every week, so then we have it on Sunday. <laughs> Put it down good uh, what would you have an, as an ice pop then? Which I think is what they were trying to come out with there. I don't like ice pops. Oh. Pops? Would you class a Magnum? A white chocolate yeah. Magnum is a pop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's yeah. fine, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I go, so I go for the white chocolate Magnum. 
Uh, Lim Nicholas, a fully fit Lynch's Limerick's X Factor, hammered all they met in 2021, Cork 22, when he played 70 in Galway and Kilkenny this year when he was finally fully fit. So maybe it makes, like, I don't know, Skell, does it make last year's achievement seem all the more impressive that they didn't have Keane Lynch after uh, he picked up the hamstring injury? Well, to be honest, Les, I think this year's achievement is equally as impressive. Like, they lost their all star corner back in their all star six. Like, you know, whereas last year they had their all star corner forward and also sent forward lost. So they're, they're, they're just they're doing it without big players. It's, it's just mad to think. <laughs> like we sat here 12 months ago, Will, remember? They didn't have Lynch and Peter Casey, who were, don't, they were coming back. They were coming back, but they weren't hitting the top forms they had, they had the year previous. This year, losing Finn and Hannon. Jesus, like, there's no other team. Someone said it as well. Uh, it was more, you were saying about, uh, about Finn and Hannon. Like, if any, if Kilkenny lost, <clears throat> let's just say they lost Mikey Butler, you know, in the last two dollars and that. Kilkenny can't fill that. Galway can't lose Parkman in Dahlberg. You know what I mean? They just don't have the squads, and that's the reality of it. And like it's, we saw the, the clear struggle big time when they lost, you know, Cleary and Dave McNerney, etc. These people saw handling. So yeah, just different animal lads. Yeah, uh, boom, boom. This is a strong possibility. Skell at the next live show with a board saying, "I love ice pops." Well, that's far better than what I was carrying. <laughs> if, he, yeah. if he loses, if he loses fancy hurling again, I mean, it is a possibility. Let's be fair. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, if he, he just keeps copying the teams, he's not going to win anyway. He'll just the best draw, which he decided oh, to do for the final. No, but I, to be fair, Murph, I made some terrible calls though. Like the the, the the fact I took out Heaven Island, I just can't get over that. It's just why I took out Heaven Island before. You he can overthink these things sometimes. That's the thing. Well, like, he, had 12, have, he had twelve points. I took him out. Then, like, I mean, geez. yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Look, learning curve. Right. Yeah, but that was going to follow me for life in a temporary jersey. <laughs> I mean, it's there. It's it's committed to video. It's committed to photographs. It, it's always there. Well, what did you do with the jersey, by the way? Because I want to throw the rest of the questions at you now in a sec. But what did you do with the jersey? Yeah. Well, I threw it back backstage, and wherever it is, it is. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't going to keep it with. <laughs> probably you brought it with you. Um, okay. It's probably in a bin in the Borkash then, unfortunately. But there you go. Right. I'm going to ask the one that pretty much everyone asked. Right, so P Egan, 1985 on Insta, Owen Rigney on Twitter, Checkmate on Twitter, saw some people in the live chat further up talking about this as well. Ask about all of the thrown hand passes during the game. So Murph, you can take this up first because this was thrown primarily at Limerick after the game and there was a highlight sequence at one point. I don't know if the BBC got the same highlights packages as RT were getting, but there was one where there was two or three that were very questionable hand passes. There were okay. a few that people highlighted during the game. Was it back as bad as ever yesterday? What was your opinion on throwing hand passes during the game? Uh, I'll be honest, I'd say as a spectator, it, it probably was more obvious if you're watching at home. I don't know I, I don't know what it was like if you're looking at home, but I'll be honest, nobody around me mentioned it during the game when we when just watching in real time. Maybe you were just engrossed in the game. Maybe it was more obvious after the fact, but it wasn't mentioned. But I did see a lot of people speaking about it to say that it was rampant yesterday. Um, I suppose part of me as well is is very uh, is very concerned that I don't want to sound like an ungracious Kilkenny man this morning. But look, if it was an issue, if if there were certainly cases like BBC didn't highlight it, maybe RT did. If it was highlighted, well, yeah, absolutely, the conversation's back on, and we need to clamp down on it. Um, but I'll be honest, as a spectator yesterday, it certainly wasn't a talking point for any of us that we felt Jesus, this ball is being thrown around. Um, so look maybe maybe I don't know from your point of view did, what did it look like from at home were you at home were you, were you at it or did you I, I was <clears> telling there, there was a few was it yeah. yeah I thought there was Jesus I thought there was six if not seven ones that I yeah. look it's television it's far away don't get me wrong and it looked like from where I was sitting uh, that like I just named a few Tom Morris he threw a couple <clears throat> 
that Keen Lynch threw a couple. Um, I thought Kyle Hayes threw one. But like I, again, it's very hard for me to say yes, he did with with, with certainty that he did because when you're live there, you can get a much clearer view. They have been very fast as well, Scott. Like, I thought there was um, a throw motion, particularly when it was slowed down. You know that really sleek uh, sequence? Uh, I think it might have been for a Hegarty point, but it was the one where, I'm sure someone will get in the comments here, where there was three or four that looked very questionable in it because it was slowed down. Like, they're very, very hard to call. If you're keen in refereeing the game or you're one of the sideline officials, almost Mm. impossible to see it in real time. They won't be called. And they won't be called because John Mm. Keenan is smart enough to know that I'm not going to break in this game for hand passes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, unless it's absolutely blatant. And, like, if he didn't call them, that means they weren't blatant. You know, <clears throat> what was a very hot topic at the start of the year it was getting pulled, you know, weren't we saying it was getting pulled two, three times a game in the league, give or take? Mm, yeah. You know, it just, yeah. it just seemed to completely just peter out the championship. I, I actually don't remember there, there being a call in any of the games I've seen. Again, open yeah. correction there, but certainly didn't stand out to me. But it looked like on television, yeah, there was there was a few question ones. And it looks like, uh, see, Will, I don't know who fools me every time. Every time he fools me, he puts his hand up and he, it's always like his back is turning. It seems like he's throwing it, but he's actually probably, he probably is releasing it and kind of palming it away like a, I don't know, like a volleyball kind of pass. Mm. Which, yeah. No. No, the, the 65 was worse, if you ask me. That was a yeah. much worse. That, that came up actually a little bit earlier on. Like, again, I, it's obviously not decisive at the end of the game scale, mm. but it's a, it's a big call in the flow of the match at the time it isn't called. Oh, like, it's, I think it's 21 points to 19. I think it was. And like that's going to be sixty-five. To it, was, keep, yeah. right? it was. It was a two-point swing. Yeah. Yeah. Right beside the post. So then it goes twenty-one twenty, or else it goes twenty-two nineteen. It, like they're all marginal gains. Like they're all. And look, there's nothing not to say that Limerick wouldn't wouldn't have powered on and finished the game strong, anyways. But still, when it's <clears throat> when the game is in the melting pot and it's in a two-point game, you know that's the time to make a decision and and give it right. It's easy for us to look back and say Limerick got to win by eight or nine would have made no difference. We we don't. So we don't know what difference it would have made. Probably not. Probably a ten percent chance of middle difference, but still in game that should have been sixty-five. Yeah, that's look again. Everyone brought it up, but it's also similarly a lot of people saying there the referee was very close, didn't see them. Don't know how many times I thought a hand pass was thrown on the TV. Then the slow mode reveal it was just about legal. Like maybe the hand pass has to be redefined. I don't know because Murph, the thing is, you'll probably see the same thing happen next year, which is that a few of these will be clamped down upon early on in the league, and there's this feeling that maybe a tone is being set for the year. It takes a hell of a ballsy ref to maybe call this in the provincial final or an All-Ireland final if somebody makes a marginal pass that you're not quite sure if it's legal or not. Yeah, and like the precedence has been set or not set if, if it is the case that it drifted away after the league. Uh, there was a few called in around Robins, um, but it, really for the last few matches it hasn't been prevalent at all. And You know, I think of another narrative that was coming into this final and people were saying, brilliant, it's John Keenan, throw away, he's going to throw away the whistle or whatever, which I felt was unfair on Keenan as well because he does Mm. actually make really good decisions, you know, which is part of why he's a good referee. It's not a case that he just doesn't blow the whistle. So he he makes really good decisions. But I didn't see anyone who didn't say that he's going to have really good flow to the game. And if there's a really good flow to the game, that's where decisions are marginal, you lean towards letting the game, the game play on without without it getting dangerous. And for me, if we're still arguing that some of those were borderline, like, I mean, if you were to say, well, you watch back the game and you said, oh, Jesus, there's four where he literally threw the ball. He wasn't even trying to hand pass it. But if you can say that there was movement made and John Keenan is looking at this, three or four or five hand passes in a row where he's, players are passing by him, players at their back to him, and we're going with the conversation of you want good flow to the game. Like these are the marginal decisions that John Keenan is trying to make right and only looking at it once. Like if you look at the example as well of 
maybe it's not comparable, but Dermot Burns got the yellow card in the first half of the tackle on Mikey Butler. Okay, the player going in has responsibility, but it was Dermot Burns' momentum. He didn't actually go in and try and shoulder Mikey Butler. But the reaction at the time of the crowd kind of pushed John Keenan into making a yellow card. Now, we watched the replay. We were looking at the replay going, ah, it was his momentum. He didn't really try and tackle him. Keenan has one look at that, and that's it. Do you know? Mm. So, again, you have to go back to, like, referees, unfortunately, at the speed the game is going, like, we're complementing the speed from the top of the show and, and how well the game is played. Well, from another point of view, John Keenan's looking at this from such a fast pace. How can he constantly get these decisions right when they're so marginal? And I don't think that's back on him, considering that it's been abandoned to an extent for the last few games. He can't suddenly arrive on an Ireland final and then just start suddenly clamping so hard down on this. I think it's, it's for the GAA to, to actually assist him uh, in actually clamping down on it. So if there was marginal decisions, and look, this is coming from the point of view of I was on the losing side yesterday. Like, you know, as in, if these are marginal decisions, well, I'm happy to put my hand up and say, well, look, it's not for this year to be sorted. We have to start it next year and stay consistent if, that, if that's what we're going to do. But I don't think we can get too hung up in it from yesterday. Like, yeah, use it as a learning point if there was passes thrown, but figure out how do we assist John Keenan or the referee going forward better in that matter because mm-hmm. very hard for him, very hard. Yeah, like uh, Joe LK20 here, change the rules or accept the exploits of the rule, move on. So yeah. that's where we're at with the hand pass. Again, I don't see the hand pass being redefined, but that's something they could potentially look at. I think right now people are trying to move the ball as quickly as they can and they're going to do it as close to legal as they possibly can. And again, I feel for a referee who's out there trying to call that. It's very different to us looking at a replay that's been slowed down two or three times. So we are definitely going to do our teams of the year at the moment because I know a few people are saying, do you disagree with the uh, Sunday game team of the year? And I think all three of us have picked a different 15 as well, which should uh, make for <laughs> the discussion. You know. The same team. <laughs> no. The famous, the I famous hope not, actually hope not. <laughs> no, if you agree, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. But um, just some of the longer messages that come in. There was three emails I got in, which I just want to read to you, and maybe we can pick up points in them, or we can just do them as um, as comments. Uh, Stephen Kelly says, "Do the guys think the fact that Limerick were pushed so hard in Munster that they may very well be on the decline? Like Cork and Tipperary could have beaten them, even Waterford pushed them all the way. Clare beat them once and could have in the Munster final, bar a terrible refereeing decision. They're a great side, no doubt about it, but they were very close to being taken out in Munster. I do give a few teams." A chance next year and think that Kilkenny having an easy ride apart from the Leinster final didn't help them in the finish of the game so to pick up Stephen's point there Murph do we take this as Limerick in Munster shows a vulnerability or would you agree with Skell when he said earlier on that actually no it's about Limerick finding their way into the season and actually when Limerick get to Crow Park that's when they're at their best yeah completely um, like one of the things that I'd be saying is that uh, each team is only going to peak once and trying to choose that moment where you're going to peak and Limerick choose not Ireland final and believe that they're also still good enough to go and win a monster final along the way. Like if you look, where did Tipperary peak at this stage this year? He probably peaked against Clare in the first round of the round robin. Um, and if you look at other teams then as well, you know, Clare probably, maybe it's, is it fair to say they peaked around beating Limerick or maybe they peaked just after it. But like genuinely it is a thing that teams have to consider is where are we looking to get where we're absolutely, you know, flying it and if if you want to win in All-Ireland you have to kind of run the risk of you know building your performances up so that right grand it might be glamorous in the run into the semi-final or final but that you're hitting the ground running at that stage like Limerick probably did play with fire to a bit but they're able to do it because they have such quality in their team that they can kind of go into a round robin 
and be have enough quality to get into the top three in Munster, first of all, which is important. Other teams can't necessarily do that, though. So it's it's, it's a fine balance. That's why, yeah, Kilkenny and Galway do have the benefit of they don't have so much of a, a high line to walk there in that they'll come out of, of Leinster and then can time their run at an All-Ireland tilt. Um, but Limerick, the bottom line is Limerick is agree with is exactly what Skett was saying earlier, is that if you're going to catch them, it's monsters where you have to try and catch them. But that's that's four other teams trying to catch them in that either beating them so they don't get out of Munster uh, or beating them in the Munster final, which is probably your last time for this Limerick team where you're, you maybe have a credible chance. Because when you get to Crow Park, that suits Limerick. It suits Limerick to be in Crow Park. When they get to All-Ireland semi-final stage, they're getting into their peak then. They're really starting to motor. Um, the All-Ireland final is where they are sprinting through the line. So I, I'd agree with Skettling that if you're going to beat them, beat them in Munster. I think after that, they have they have planned everything so that they are hitting their pump come semi-final, final of the All-Ireland. And I, not to say that they don't care. They do care about winning the Munster. But bottom line, if you put a Lee McCarthy in front of them or Munster Championship, you know which one they're going to pick and that's all that matters. Hmm. Uh, good point raised by On The Edge and one for us to keep an eye out when the uh, third level competitions come back next year. So the freshers hurling next year, they're going to have that hand pass rule where you can only hand pass the ball from the same hand, which is holding the ball. So therefore you should have to create a motion that's very clear with the hand pass that you're going to make. I just don't know if it's going to find its way to the league. I think it's very telling that they're using it in the freshers' competitions as opposed to elsewhere, but let's is see how it goes. Is the other way around there, Will, actually? Is the other way around, is it? It has to be the other hand, doesn't it? The other hand, yeah. I thought it was the other hand. So that's it. You, or oh, sorry. sorry. Maybe I sorry you problem. won't be able from the one that's holding the ball. You have to use the other hand. So therefore, you're going to yeah. make a very clear motion before you hit it. Sorry, I'm moving my two hands here under the yeah, table. Yeah, and you never but ever see Limerick you never see Limerick hand pass the opposite hand. It's either I think what you'd actually see there flick. is that, yeah, Limerick could pop it off the hurl more they than flick it like, Look at Galan's second goal against Galway, the key lynch pass, you know what I mean? How many, how many times do you see that done? They never they never have any air time for the opposite hands. Yeah. So that'd, be, that'd be an interesting rule that came in. Yeah. Yeah, be, see. be interesting. Uh, some people have commented, um, DG, one of them, about the 65 that Limerick should have had in 2019 to draw the game, only for that it could have been six in a row. So, they got their 65 back yesterday, the Grand. There are. There you go. Exactly. You know, they <laughs> have their even? four in a row. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, also, a fair point as well brought up here by Ronan C, which is people on TV seem to be more of an issue uh, with the refereeing in the game than those who were at the game, was my feeling in the aftermath. And look, I suppose look, we're all probably um, conditioned as well by what we see, the TV commentary, what you may be reading online if, you're, if you've got Twitter. It's funny how that can change your experience entirely compared to being in the ground. You could leave and go, Jesus, there's actually genuine stuff I didn't see when I was at the ground by comparison. Uh, we're very affected by how we see it. Uh, Mark Nolan in contact as well. Hi, Will. One for the pod to touch on. Five All-Irons out of six. I mean, the upper queues are full-time struck at the moment by how the Limerick support are still here soaking in the wind and celebrating. So this was um, a message sent to me that's obviously, as the cup was being uh, lifted, completely engrossed about the achievements of a fantastic team. It felt that by 2015, we just take it for granted that Kilkenny, we didn't seem to appreciate what that team were doing then and had done previously. Here we are now, eight years later, with four final appearances and four losses to our name so it's a Kilkenny supporter who was watching Limerick pick up the cup did history just program us to move swiftly along to the next one and is it Limerick's famine years that have made them appreciate this more 
I wonder about that, Skell, the fact that it was probably tough enough to be a Limerick supporter for a prolonged period of time. So we were chatting Kieran Carey on yeah. and off stage during the week and he was talking about the two All-Irelands he got to and, you know, losing out and kind of feeling maybe that that long, long wait was going to go on and go on and go on and you're always talking about the team of the 70s and then they break it and even though they're on this great run at the moment, it still seems to feel very fresh for Limerick supporters. I just, I, I just think I'd say amongst the team and the supporters alike, there's probably an appreciation of what's been achieved. Um, there's probably there's no arrogance or cockiness coming out of anyone, <clears throat> as far as I can see, um, publicly anyway. And I, I just think that they, they, they want to continue it more of same. And it's because when you haven't got one for a while, and like, more than ourselves, like we've only had five in our history. So if, if if I put myself into their position and say we're after getting three or four in a row. Surely you'd save her. You'd save her every second of it, like, and that's that's what they should be doing. They should be appreciating what the team is is doing because they're they're trailblazing. That's they're creating history. You know what I mean? And like the likes of what they're doing at the moment, might it might never be seen again um, in in their own county. We might never see Limerick doing a four in a row in twenty years or whatever. So I just think they're, they're so up at the moment. They're living in the present. They're not thinking about future or past, and that's probably the right way to do it if you're a Limerick supporter. Hmm. Um. The minor final come up here from Joe LK20 as well. Minor match would have been great beforehand. I, I'm so kind of caught on this, Murph, because mm. on the one hand, it does feel a little bit empty the day when you don't have it on beforehand. And I could kind of understand, especially during the COVID years when it was one game and it wasn't full attendance. And I can totally understand the argument about having 16-year-olds playing before an All-Ireland final. And the last two years, I think the minor final has been enhanced for two reasons. The first one that was at Nolan Park, there was a huge attendance. And I think more people got their hands on tickets than would have been able to go to All-Ireland final day for tip against Offaly. And even this year, I think combining with the 20s, we all agreed that was a great day out in Thurlis that Saturday. Everyone had a great time. Very, very enjoyable. At the same time, there's that kind of feeling of a bit of a lostness. And you know what really struck home for me was when the Jubilee team from 25 years ago came out before the game and everyone was still in the pub and not quite in the ground yet. It, it felt totally lost compared to half time. Yeah, uh, it was actually something I was chatting to Jackie before, and we we're just saying it was a pity. The pitch was empty there, and people were in, and people were in early. Like I mean, the, the diehards, I suppose, were in early, sitting down when the doors were open, and uh, you were just there going, "There should be something on the pitch. It has to be something out there." Now, the minor match was always, of course, the traditional one. It was it was always brilliant to have it out there. Maybe, like you said, Will, there's absolutely an argument that what the current situation is is really good for the players as well and it's really good for supporters um, but nevertheless there has I just feel there's something missing there like I mean myself and Jackie were looking out going it would be brilliant build up into the senior match just to be looking at something out there you'd get the blood going you know you'd kind of get the, the mouth would be watering after going I can't wait to see the lads come out um, I always found a great thing with the minor one was that you know, you'd look at the minor lads and, you know, they'd be really impressive playing away. But then when you saw the senior lads come out, there was nearly like a comparison. Do you know what I mean? You could actually see, Jesus, these lads are big. Like, it was almost like you could see now when the game picked up. It was, it's like it uh, It almost, I suppose, reset your mind and, and actually enhanced the senior game to have it there. But exactly like that, a, a really sorry thing I felt was for the Jubilee team. That's two years in a row now after seeing the Jubilee teams come out. And... Granted, you know, the crowd that was there tried to give them a warm reception, but you just can't in a stadium built for 82,000 people with approximately maybe 25, 30,000 there at a the time really give them a warm reception. I think it's unfair in those teams because, you know, looking at the Offaly team there yesterday, you were there going like an incredible team, you know, and you want those te- players and those teams to get the respect as well. So definitely I do think there needs to be some sort of game on before it. Um, be that a minor game maybe not another game certainly but 
uh, I just think the best preparation for an All Ireland final is have another game out there, and I think maybe it opens the, the, the dialogue for an opportunity for lads who might necessarily get a game in Crow Park. You know, allow them to have a game out there. I think we just want to see something on the pitch before the game, before the All Ireland final, um, and maybe it's an, it's an opportunity now for the GA to look at that and say, "Well, look, we have white space here to get somebody else in there." Hmm. Uh, yeah, Kylie's record is insane. Sixteen out of seventeen finals, just insane. What was the one he lost? Uh, what is the one he lost? I thought it was was it not sixteen out of sixteen? I, wasn't it? It was fifteen out of fifteen after the Munster yeah. final, was it not? I, think. I saw something that yesterday. Saying, feeder, I think like, he's won all his finals. I, th- I, th- I think he's won all of them. Well, I definitely saw a stat yesterday. I'm, I'll put I'll say it this way: it's not my stat anyway. Saying that he's seventeen mm. now, we're seventeen. Ta- whatever. We're talking about thirteen out of thirteen national titles. Sorry, I mean that is the Munsters or Ireland or leagues. So if he's got beaten, it could be a Munster League or something like that, you know. I yeah. can't. Mm. I don't think he's been beaten anything. No, I, I don't think so. Any major, any major championship for that? O- open for a correction there, but I think it's. I thought it was fifteen out of fifteen after he the might, Munster. He might have been beaten in the Adair Golf Classic or something that they're including or something. But I don't think it was Ireland match he's been beaten in. Maybe, maybe. Um, your old principle came up in my timeline last night as well, Scale. On this one, John S. saying the treatment of the Jubilee teams is a disgrace. Would love to have seen the Offaly team twenty-five years on. Uh, the one that I think really annoyed some of the Offaly players from yesterday. Michael Bond wasn't allowed on the pitch to take a picture with them. What? Yeah. That's oh, just man. yes. That's just BS. Like that's the kind of stuff yeah. that will tur- that turns people against the GA and kind of silly decisions. What difference yeah. does it make? Like let them I don't out. know. I, apparently they had to go over towards the sideline or they came over towards the corner to get a picture with Michael ah, Bond. That's so Rodney on the pitch. Just I don't know. It seems like it's just enti- entirely lost though. Like this used to be half time. I always kind of enjoyed this at half time when the team of twenty five years ago would come out. They get a proper reception. I know some people would maybe be gone uh, to the toilet or gone to get a snack or whatever else. But for the best part, most people stay around at half time. You can't really expect people to be in the best part of an hour before the game just to see no. the Jubilee team. No, right. no, you can't. It's a long day as it is. Like you know, and no, you can't. You can't. Uh, that's remarkable. That's absolutely remarkable stuff. Yeah, um, Bosco as well. I'd agree. I hope it's the real Bosco. Uh, having the minor final on the same day, not making scramble for tickets even harder. It always did. It was always tricky. I think. Um, so yeah, I, it, like again, that is the difficulty. But more people can can go along. Uh, lost a monster hurling league game against Cork. There you go. I'm sure. I'm sure he won't mind losing that one. Second. <laughs> Out. Get rid of him. Uh, is there a possibility for the Joe McDonough Cup final to go in there? I, I think there is a possibility for this because, again, I was watching uh, Nicky Brennan was talking on our game earlier today, and he's very much feels, and I think the county boards have said as well, they're probably going to unlink the McDonough Cup from the All Ireland for next year. So that will leave a bit more wiggle room for the McDonough to go into a different mm-hmm. period. Uh, so maybe there's no harm in pushing the McDonough back a bit. The McDonough just felt so rushed this year as well. Even if it doesn't mm-hmm. go with the All Ireland final, I think maybe it's it could push like back and go somewhere else. months ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels a long, long time ago. And for some of those counties, they were a long time before their county championships got underway as well. So, yeah, why don't we, uh, why don't we have a think about that? Right, uh, Scale, I know you've got the notebook ready. And this is going to fire up the comments as well. Your team of the year. Do you want to kick us off first? We'll give you our, te- our teams then. Oh, God, this is going to cause me hassle. <laughs> of course it is. I have mine written in my uh, dock here beside me, so... Who's your goalkeeper to start with, anyway? This is a tricky one, I think. I actually we're all go. We were all going about 15 to 1. <laughs> you should nearly go reverse. The only man in the country to go 15 Murphy, to 1. You're gassed, right? Murphy, you're gassed. I was going to go top to bottom. Go back. <laughs> you caught me in it. Shit. Go on. Uh, right. I actually have a different idea, right? Why don't we all do our positions one each? So start yeah. with goalkeeper and we'll all do them. Go on. Who's first, Gal? I put in Nicky Quaid. Um... 
I do agree that Murphy pulled off the greatest save I've ever seen two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. No, no two ways about it. Um, I just he's conceded thirteen goals, Quaid six. I do have an allowance for that. Quaid has probably a better supporting cast outfield to give him options on a continual basis. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I, I felt sympathy and I, under, I understood exactly how Murphy felt yesterday when he was trying to find a pass or find a person or space and it just wasn't ticking because he didn't wasn't I won't say they weren't synchronized but just Quaid Quaid's forwards are a different level that's a different level so I'm going to go with Quaid even though Murph, Murphy pulled off the best save I've ever seen yeah I'm, I'm happy to win Nicky Quaid as well I'll admit that after the semi-final I was kind of so taken by the save that I already had Murphy penciled into well, my like, team and then I don't I don't blame him for the puckouts yesterday. I think Limerick did a very effective job on him in the puckouts and the options came down in the second half. So it's not for that reason that I'm punishing Murphy here, but for Quaid's consistency throughout the year, I think Nicky Quaid deserves to win an all-star. And I'm picking my team in the kind of intention that's been an all-star team. So it's Nicky Quaid for me as well. Murph? I'm on Murphy. Okay. And from the point of view, I'd like to think it's unbiased, but I know people are saying as well, puckout strategy. Yeah, brilliant. But it is, like when people are saying it's not all about shot stopping, but it also is about shot stopping. And Colin Mannion's goal, one thing we've talked about all year, hip height. Uh, Paddy Deegan's goal, hip height. Now, great shots, absolutely brilliant. But you can't just dismiss it either. Now, Nicky Quaid has stopped, well, he's led in six goals on Murphy 13. You have to look at defences about that. And that also then, if it goes back to the to the puck out strategy, I just, when I looked out the field when Nicky Quaid was pucking, I saw options. And at times yesterday for all Murphy, I was going, there's not options here. To be honest with the two boys, it is it is really splitting hairs, but I don't think he didn't dismiss shot stopping ability. I look back at the Leinster final also, a ball broke through and Owen Murphy, and I believe it was, was either Concannon or Connor Whelan, Owen Murphy in a foot race got out, spread himself wide, got down the ball, blocked it up and popped it back out. He's caught two or three balls over the crossbar as well. Like there's just been a good few things and granted five of the goals came against Wexford in the last round around, around Robin, but in a very fine margin I just do think that Owen Murphy this year pip Nicky Quaid okay this is going to become a debate I think on the next line right PL74 Nash over Butler after yesterday Butler is a no. Renault Nash is a Ferrari River Power is arguing I'm afraid not and where was the other one well you're giving it away here slightly where you're going to pick <laughs> Barry Nash instead of Mikey Butler Joel Limerick 20 you're not having Nash at all Skell I'm not and like it's just I'm not being disrespectful to anyone. That's the thing with an all-star team. When you pick someone ahead of others, it's not disrespectful. It's just that I'm I'm thinking Mikey, but- Mikey Butler's contribution to his team and his performances, um, it's just slight, slightly edges him ahead of Nash because I, I may as well name my full back line. It's, it's yep, Butler, yeah. Lawler, Morrissey. Same. Um, and yeah, of, same. Of, those, of those three, very, very hard to argue with, with me with anyone. Um, Morrissey, outstanding. I could have put Morrissey, genuinely, as I could have put him at three, Two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's equally effective in all those positions. Your daughter has been outstanding. He's he's like the, you know, the figurehead of that Kilkenny defence, and Butler has just been electric. Like he's man marked Tony Kelly. He scored in the Leinster final. You know he like. I know he went back on Peter Casey yesterday, but like you have to understand that Peter Casey got the space provided to him by the team. You know, Mikey Butler was one on one in an island out there so like there's nothing he could do about it he's been fabulous all year that's my full back line yeah there's no, there's no argument I think with this one I think um, yeah. it's one of those where Nash is unlucky not to win an all-star but similarly you had that very difficult call for the all-star committee last year with Finn and Butler and I, I think Butler gets in 
I think he didn't have a good final, but he's had an excellent year up until that point. So I had him in the team based on that. So, okay. Halfbacks, I think, is a bit more difficult. And I kind of want you to start with six on this one because six is where I had to have a bit of a think. For me, Dermot Burns, Kyle Hayes, I put themselves directly into the team. I think that's why we were thinking pre-final. But who have you picked at six, Gal? Ty Burke. Okay. Do I have you'll to explain be, myself? <laughs> no, no, no. You'll be accused of bias, but I'll be accused of not holding you to account if I don't ask you why. Um, it's tough because, like, Dahi Burke, I think when you go through all the group stage, and when I say the group stage, I mean the Leinster round robin, uh, caught the final, semi-final, like, I thought he was really effective. Like, he had a couple of ways against Limerick, and look, it's easy to look mediocre against Limerick, to be honest, because like, it looks like you're more of an individual versus the team, but I just thought he was really really solid, um, got up and down the pitch, scored, defenders, big high catches like we always see. Again, uh, he's the main guy in the goalie defence, and it's hard to go. I just can't, I just can't put Will Adonahu into the back. I just can't, I'm sorry, after a couple of games, and I can't put in John Connell, to be honest. You know, John Connell was excellent below in in, um, in the most championship versus Limerick. I get that the day his brother get married, but it just didn't really shine above the high work in, in my opinion so uh, I have him at six alright Murph where are you going to go I went with John Conlon <laughs> and to be honest it was between for me again it was between John Conlon and Dahi Burke uh, because I know and it's not being you wouldn't be influenced at all with the Sunday game team they put Willow Dunhu there I was just going no it's like Willow Dunhu was a gap stop there whereas and the other thing I'll say is that they picked Kyle Hayes off the back of previous performances in the championship, notwithstanding the semi-final and the final. Well, by the same standard, you're going, well, John Conlon or Dahi Burke then, because both of them were the two standout centre-backs, I felt, come that stage. So in terms of Conlon getting man the match against Limerick uh, in the round robin, which again, one thing I feel all-star, I suppose, teams have been picked off over the years or team of the years has been maybe forgetting to an extent those those not so recent games that have been played and Conlon was really influential throughout the year I think he just you know he kept that consistency right up Dahi Burke was exceptional as well um, and it was a cost of, uh, toss of the coin so but I just felt Conlon just deserved it that small bit more yeah I went for Conlon as well and I see a few people saying in the comments that Willow Dunhu was better in two games than anyone else was at six throughout the year. Again, I'm just not sure about picking a six based on two matches, albeit if they are the All-Ireland semi-final and final. Um, you can respond to this one, Skello, coming in from Finbar McCarthy over on the Facebook. You're about saves and goals conceded, and then you pick two of the Kilkenny full back line. Well, my first is want to be, what's Hugh Lawler done wrong all year? Hugh Lawler had a fantastic All-Ireland final yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, what do you reckon, Skello? Go on, like, yeah. I, see... Okay, I understand what he's saying. I, I get what you're saying, right? But like, Mikey Butler has had to do jobs in all facets of the pitch. So, either being the fullback line, out of midfield, up in the forwards, let's say. So, an all-star is, is about individual brilliance throughout the year. So, Mikey Butler has been individually brilliant. That's the fact. And so has Hugh Lawler. They've been individually brilliant. So, like, I can't discount that. Like, Owen Murphy, we're talking about class goalies from Seth and Quaid. They're individually brilliant players, but I'm just picking Quaid above them slightly. And so, again, when I'm trying to just make this decision, I'm trying to use the, the, the benefit of statistics or analysis or whatever. And it's so, it's so hard. Like, do you know what I mean? It's so hard. Like, last week I was saying Murphy. <laughs> this week I'm like, great, you know. So I just look at it. It's, uh, I, don't, I don't take... Uh, who's, whose point is that now, Mikey? Uh, it's Mikey Finn Five points yesterday. But you don't understand. Like, they don't understand, right? And I said this before, right? A back can mark space or he can mark the man. You can't mark both. You can't do it. 
right? Mm. So what happened yesterday with Mikey Butler when, when his position, right? He had an absolute, remember the case he points in the second half? There was an ocean of space in front of him, like an island. There was literally a third of the pitch. And so you can't mark that. What are you supposed to do? Because if you go in front of Peter Casey, he's going to run, run behind his opposite side. If you go behind him, he goes in front of you. It's just, it's, it's hugely, hugely impossible. So, mm. uh, Finbar coming back in. Oh, I don't, I think any of us disagree with this, by the way. Declan Hannon, best centre back in Munster. I, we're all huge Declan, fan, Declan Hannon fans here. Problem is, he's missed two of the crucial games during the year. It makes it very difficult to pick a Limerick six on the all-star team I think as a result it both goes against uh, Willow Dunhu and against Declan Hannon in a kind of a weird reverse argument against each other um, if you're saying that about Butler hold on now Declan Lester but discount Willow Dunhu at six was he not individually brilliant all year what happens, if Willow, Dunhu, what happens if Willow Dunhu is not picked at six in my team uh-huh. yeah exactly see you're all jumping the gun here thinking he's not going to be in the team it's so, down yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Give us, give us a chance to go a bit further forward. Um, are either of you disagreeing, by the way, with the two wing backs, them being Dermot Burns and Kyle Hayes? No. No. You're all right That's with that, Skeleton? Okay. Yeah, so I, that's set in storm, my friend. All right. So two of us have gone for Conlon and you've gone for Dave, for Burke. Yeah, grand. Super. Hey, can I just uh, ask you, in your on. opinion, right? What's the degree of separation between Conlon and Burke? I'm just interested to know. Very, very small. Are we talking 10% no, it's marginal. Absolutely marginal. Like, I, mean, yeah, I, I actually, and you'll be accused of Galway bias. I can say it with no bias whatsoever. I actually thought that the Burke McInerney switch worked well pretty much all year. I think he's been excellent there. Mm, yeah. Mm. I think, I think if anyone's writing them off that's the thing I really hate about these kind of discussions is people go oh my god I can't believe you picked Conlon or I can't believe you put Burke there yeah. and you're kind of going lads these lads have been really good all year so anyway right let's go on to midfield then uh, I think Darrow Donovan was a lock even before the All-Ireland final yeah again agreed. he was really good yesterday and I've put Willow Donahue into midfield <laughs> so have I <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it, yeah. so have I I've been there as well yeah there's boys, boys breaking out fire extinguishers there now for their laptops after the centre back decision. So, uh, no, like, I mean, I, I was just looking at it going, like, I don't know who's making the team either way, like, you know, but I was just going, he's a midfielder. Himself and Darrow Donovan have been exceptional in midfield. So, like, this idea of pushing him to centre back, oh, I just didn't get it. Like, you know, he's, he's a midfielder out and out for me. Like, and he might have been deployed at centre back, but doing, but doing a very similar job as he was doing midfield, just deployed a little bit further back anyway. So, I don't think lads should be getting too excited about that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Tim Dunnigan here. Uh, how is Butler ahead of Nash and Team of the Year after Casey got five know. points from playing. Nash has got one four from playing the championship this year. Also, no talk about Butler pulling across Lynch. Okay, God, that was harmless. That one now pull across right. the chin. Let, let the debates go on. Uh, oh, Willow yeah. Willow D has been outstanding all year. In fairness, dragged us to victory against Cork alone. And Willow Dunn, who is in our team, we just picked him in midfield rather than uh, <laughs> at six. Okay, so that's midfield settled. You've got two Limerick players in there. Let's have a look further up the field. Who's your half forward line scale? Brace uh, yourself. Oh, God. I, okay, number 10 is Shannon Donnan. That's uh, so like I had, I had six locks on this team. Locks. Yep. Like There's no contest whatsoever, and he was one of them for me. Yep. I'm skipping number 11, and number 12 was Tom Morrissey. Granted, taken off yesterday, taken off against Galway, but like his work is done at that stage. He runs himself runs himself into the ground. And like when Limerick weren't exactly performing to the, the heights they were yesterday, George Jordan was the championship, he was the guy that kept them you know, kept them ticking. Now, number eleven. Ooh. This is a tricky one, Liz. This is a very it tricky is. one. I have TJ Reed and Tony Kelly. And I don't know yeah. where to turn. 
I thought I was going to say you were putting the ball in the team there. <laughs> no, I don't know what to do. Honest to God, I, I actually can't pick. I can't. Can I can I just pause for a second and read you an email about Tony Kelly then while you're thinking? Okay. Because this, this came in earlier, right? From him. From Quail Nodi, who says he's emailing on behalf of his Clareborn Dublin living 68-year-old father. He says, great win for Limerick, great to catch the to catch them uh, booking their place in the history books. Having seen this on the game team of the year last night, witness Jackie Tyrrell's comments, uh, my dad had a question for the boys in the pod. Why is Tony Kelly measured at a much, much higher standard than everyone else? He scored 4.22 from play in this year's championship in a Munster championship that was as competitive as ever, 5.38 in total with free 65s and penalties. A point, four points, four points from play, 13 in total, 2-4, 1-4 from play, six points, four from play, 3-4 and a point. He was deemed to have not shown up in the semi-final, contributing one point from play, despite having 16 possessions, yet Darrow Dunavan was manned the match with 13 possessions and one point from play in the previous evening. No disrespect to TJ Reid, he is an all-time great, but no score from play in the final yesterday, no score from play in the semi-final versus Clare, and no score from play against Dublin in the round robin in Leinster. He felt... This is John. Uh, terrible comments from Jackie regarding Kelly, but no mention of TK's below par performance. Fair play to Joe Canning for his observations last night. Maybe some food for thought on the expectations that are on Tony Kelly. So there you go. I think some fair points uh, brought up there. Are we mm-hmm. being unfair on Tony Kelly because we hold him to a ridiculous standard and say then he is a quiet semi final? People argue, oh, Tony Kelly didn't show up. While at the same time, TJ Reid scored one point from play in his last four All Ireland finals. Yeah, no, to be honest, all the points there are excellent points um, and they're really well-made points in fairness. Uh, do we hold them against... We probably do hold them against a higher standard, but I don't hold them against a higher standard when I'm picking this team. I think every day Tony Kelly goes out, if he doesn't score, you know, 10 points or, or the equivalent of, people will invariably maybe jump at him a small bit. Um, but... I, I don't feel when I was sitting down for this going I never at any stage did I say oh if I'm not picking Tony Kelly it's because he didn't play to his own standards I would always feel when I'm looking at a player it's against the standard of your average inter-county hurler not of previous performances of that person um, I feel that yeah absolutely I mean scores and play he was hugely influential at different times but then something that's quite hard to quantify is influence on the game that's another thing that's very hard to quantify and decision-making of players which make them really strong in a certain position. Like you might look one-dimensionally at, we'll take a different player, for example. You might look at William O'Donoghue and go, well, sure, he doesn't score from play necessarily. Now, this isn't saying, obviously, what, what this person's saying, but like you might say, you could pick a few measurables there of Will O'Donoghue to say, well, is he as good a midfielder? But you go, well, the things you can't measure with Will O'Donoghue is tackles. Well, you can measure it, I suppose. But tackles, hooks, blocks good decisions made in terms of starting off an attack for, for Limerick and different things. Um, for me, at different times this this year, granted, you can look at the final and pigeonhole to that, the teacher didn't score from play, but his influence consistently, he's been consistently involved in the game throughout for Kilkenny. I mean, you look back, didn't score from play, but then sets up on Cody for the goal in the final, is out there being involved, goes in, knows that, okay, well, if I take it on here, there's less than that likelihood of me scoring, pop it off to on Cody. Those are still important things to consider when you're considering how a player influences the game. You could also equivalently look at Keane Lynch yesterday, going enormously influential on the game. Peter Casey scored more than though, but Keane Lynch held way more ball and set up way more scores. The point he got in the first half at a really important time. These are all things that I think are you have to try and quantify them in their own right. Like Tony Kelly got enormous scores during the year, 
But Shane O'Donnell, I felt, was more influential than him at times. Um, Ed McCarthy was more influential. You know, Dermot Ryan, when you think about playing against Cork, really influential at important times. So when I'm sitting down picking this team, I looked at it going, I felt actually he was the one player I felt maybe were being hard on him. But at the same time, I went, it's a toss of the coin and I can't help but go that I feel the influence. I picked TJ and I can't help but feel that the influence TJ had on the games. Again, and I'd be another player that would say, or another person that would say that like free takers and this, that's, you know, obviously an easy way to get in the scoreboard. But his machine-like performance and taking the freeze, that's another quality that has been really good. Missed one yesterday from the 45, but went out on his own 65 near the sideline, took one, popped it over again, kept Kilkenny in touch. So there's just... You know, in this instance where someone's picking Tony Kelly, I'd make the argument for TJ, but at the same time, I can completely understand why someone would pick Tony Kelly. So I pick TJ, but I appreciate where that where that email is coming from, that, you know, certain elements would be harder than Tony Kelly to not pick him as well. Like, I mean, Skettle, you may have picked him. Will, you may have picked him. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to reveal mine just yet because I think there's another no. kind of one in the mix as well here. But anyway, so... Scale, which way are you going to go? TJ or Tony, given you how you're picking one or the other at 11 here? Going to my head job here. Well, kind of, yeah. Well, <laughs> can, can I preempt this slightly? Are you putting Tom Morrissey on the other side? Tom Morrissey's oh. at 12. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, one or the, it's very much one or the other then. Oh, it's one, yeah, because the forward line, I think the three of us know it's sewn up as it is. And like Tom Morrissey, for example, not to go back, is another man as well that didn't shoot the lights out this year, but consistently, when Limerick weren't taking over, he was a man taking over. He was he a was man great. He was great in the months around Robin Murph. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. You know, yeah. and like if you were to go on score on this, you know, you'd nearly have a completely separate six forwards. But anyway, sorry, go on. Oh, Jesus. I'm sweating. <clears throat> I want to pick Tony Kelly, So So, you got TJ out? I have I know and it's it sounds ludicrous right because so first of all they're two totally different players <clears throat> right and they, they play in theoretically different positions I'll explain myself now so TJ gets through what I would class a lot of donkey work you know he's great turnover machine wins kind of high catches a lot of highlight stuff you know he's a great assister so what I mean by that is that he, he gets the ball 20 yard pass 30 yard pass you know he, he'll open up a defence Tony Kelly is very much a highlight merchant you know he's He's all energy, high octane, um, can show up anywhere, shoot from anywhere, but doesn't assist as well as, as, as TJ. So I'm I'm kind of creating the case in my mind. I just think, like, he'd have awful solid championship players. I was down in, in Limerick when when uh, he scored, I think it was 3-4 against Dublin, like, and he was absolutely electric. Like, you know, everything went through him. And, like, he, just, he was just a, a bundle of energy. And he had a good Munster championship. Like, don't get me wrong, you'd say, Kyle Barrett marked him well against Tipperary. And then Mikey Butler marked him well against Kikini. And you'd say, oh, yeah, he went, he went hiding. But his standards are so high that like, we, we invariably keep holding to that standard. So when we see the best Tony Kelly possible, we're saying, why is he doing that every day? So we look at the Munster final last year when he scored flipping 100 points, whatever it was. And we're saying, why is he doing that every day? Every day, every day. And if he doesn't do that, it becomes question marks over his form, <laughs> you know, which is kind of a ludicrous standard to hold a person to. So, but I still think he was a very, very solid year. He was a huge scoring uh, obviously from play for a threat for Clare this year and I think he carried the well the mantle well I personally think he needs to adopt his game a bit I think the all energy covering every day of the grass mightn't necessarily be the way forward for Tony maybe he's and the reason Shannon Donnell I think you get more out from him is because he's brilliant one-on-one contested wins the ball takes the man on every time you know what I mean he's very very hard to get the ball off but Tony Kelly seems to be you know an open hurler where I mean someone has to give him the ball or he runs onto it etc you know what I mean it's those kind of balls 50-50 I don't see him doing it but that's just for next year. But this year, I think he was a solid championship all around and I'm picking him at 11. 
Okay, so that means we're probably going to have a team then. Well, Murph's team will have him in there, but we could well have a team with no TJ Reid and no Keane Lynch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To be fair, Keane Lynch was injured for so long. That was That's yeah. the only thing held yeah, against him. Like, mine does so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I did. I did wonder about Lynch after the final, and I kind of thought is he the guy you could kind of just you know mulligan in after the final. But it probably would be unfair based over the course of the season. Again, argue away in the comments if they're not going to be in there. Who did you go for with? I I got drawn towards putting Tony Kelly in. Oh yeah, yeah. I th- I think I'm going to just put him just ahead of TJ. So um, my team is looking dangerously like Skells, which is worrying because I don't think we're going to disagree <laughs> on the full forward line here. <laughs> full forward line then. Are we going to argue against Conor Whelan, Aaron Galan, and Noan Cody? Oh, forget about it. Sewn up. Done. Finished. And if they don't put in them three in the forward line, right, the all stars should be caught and, I was going to say a curse, put to bed. (laughs) 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 Right, okay. (laughs) Like Cody, Whelan, Galan, sewn up. I'm, yeah. I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for the arguments in the comments here there's probably going to be someone who's going to say let's put TJ Reid in a corner forward and drop Connor Whelan out of the team and no you can't drop any of them no you can't just the, th- the three boys have been immense in there and yeah and, and they've, they've been they've been in there for the whole thing like you know so mm. and like um, the guess thing is like the three of them uh, up to probably the semi-final stage were in, in contention for Harlow of the year I, w- I would have thought so yeah yeah that brings us around nicely to the debate. I was just going to say a lovely little segue there, Skip. Oh, like that, Jeffy Dunn. That's, that's <laughs> you can have my job for season three. Um, so, Hurler Deer then. Our contenders then. Because a lot of people seemed a bit surprised, Murph. You can take the point in this when Kyle Hayes was picked on the Sunday game last night. And all credit to the Sunday game. I really enjoyed the Sunday game last night. And I was the first one who said, ah, oh, it's going to lose a little bit by not going to the hotel and we're going to miss the banquet. And I kind of enjoyed that it seemed like they were in a smoking area in Limerick and they were chatting to the players coming off the train. And there was something kind of nice about that. And it also left loads of space to discuss things in the studio. And our old buddy Joe Canning, I thought, spoke excellently on the Dylan Quirk Foundation and the fact that the GA didn't allow those symbols to be on the jerseys for the Limerick against Tipperary game earlier this year. And the only thing that killed me was they didn't get enough time to discuss Player of the Year. It was almost like, Kyle Hayes, Player of the Year, 20-second discussion, see you. Sorry, lads, good night. We can kind of debate it out now. Is Kyle Hayes in the running to be Player of the Year, first of all? Uh, I I didn't have him, to be honest, in my top three for Player of the Year. That's no offence to Kyle Hayes. I felt that was, to use an old phrase on this podcast, a bolter. Um, he's had a great year and absolutely fully justified to be in at left half-back. But, like, Gillan was my hurler of the year. And it was between himself and Cody yesterday, really. And, and Cody had a great game, you know. And he was really involved in the first half. Um, and it looked really dangerous. But just when I was walking away on the drive, or even just on the drive home, I was just thinking about it. And it just, Gillan was the man for me. Like, you know, he was just so influential. That point he got out in the 45, Seamus Lanigan pops it back to him over the shoulder. Again, it goes back to not shooting the lights out. Like, but it's not about shooting the lights out. It's the quality of what you've done. And he was marking an incredible fullback there in Hugh Lawler, which, you know, both lads had a really good game. But for me, the hurler of the year, I just think it'd be disingenuous to say I thought it was anyone else other, other than Galan at this stage. Uh, like, I, I'd love to have neutral goggles in one way and stand back and say, do I actually think it's Cody? Like, because a big part of me is saying that Cody's had a great year. But, you know, in the balance of things, I just think Galan just pushed him that small bit further. Um, and literally, maybe it was the way that Limerick closed out the years what tipped it for me. But I just felt that I felt I, I really felt Kyle Hayes was just a bit of a bolter, really, like we said. Um, but Gillan, Gillan was the man for me at the end of the day, and um, yeah, that's really it. I don't think there's much more to say on him. 
See, I'm with Colin Cronin on this one. Galan, folks. Can't rob another one from him. So last year, I think he was very unlucky not to be hurler of the year. And he probably was unfairly punished maybe by the All-Ireland final when it came to the contentions on it. And that's not against Dermot Burns, who I thought was brilliant throughout the year. And again, I think he's very much in contention to win hurler of the year for the second year in a row. Uh, but again, Skell, I think Galan was the man for Limerick right up until this final. And even if Hugh Lawler has a good final on him, it's not like Galan had a bad day yesterday. No. I think over the, over the course of the year, for me, it's Galan. I take the point that Hayes has been tremendously consistent. I take the Burns been some big games. Darrow Donovan had an unbelievable semi-final. For me, though, it's Galan. What about you? Uh, it is. First of all, my nominees are Galan, uh, Owen Cordy and Dan Marcy. They're my three players. I thought that you know were extremely... First, first word is consistent. And then when they played well, they played very, very well. But Galen for me, and when you say a Rob, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm trying not to get influenced on previous years um, because this year I'm treating it completely on merit. Um, and I think he has been outstanding. He really has. Like, And I, I said at the, the start of the Munster Championship, he got off to a slow start, but as he grew into it, heading towards kind of last round of the stage, Munster final, semi-final, final, he's been absolutely outstanding. He's been brilliant. Brilliant Munster final, brilliant semi-final. And like yesterday... He didn't score two ten, but like he was still brilliant. <laughs> you know, he was still excellent. So, and for me, like he, he he's the guy. So he deserves one of the year for me. Hayes was a bolter, and I, I like a bolter. I'm a big fan of a bolter. You sure are. Like, but I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one yeah. Coming. yeah. So yeah, I I can't. Uh, and look, they gave a reason why he should be hard of the year. Hayes himself, and listen to me, there are valid reasons uh, to a degree, but it's it's a matter of opinion, and in my opinion, it's Galanza all day long. Hmm. Uh, Pwell74 making a good point this is some run for Patrick's well uh, with Hurler the Year Awards if he's to uh, pick it up um, there was also the question brought up as well whether Murph I think it came up just a little bit higher here whatever the guys think about who's going to win it who do they think will actually win it remember the players um, vote on this now and it's mm. different maybe even to your day so they have changed it round that there's actually a PR system now so you get preferences rather than just picking a straight winner as well so I don't know whether that's going to affect it it maybe mm. won't have the impact that it had a few years ago when Andy Moran won the football or say Ozzy Gleeson won the hurling where mm. maybe he had two outstanding candidates from one county and they missed out yeah there has been years you know it's funny um, where the dust has settled and I'm trying to think of the examples but after the final we'd been hurled in one player not just because of the final but maybe saying they're hurled of the year and then because these things take about six weeks or so or you know even further eight weeks to be picked I don't know it's because we, we cast our mind back to the rest of the year and have a look and another player kind of comes back into reckoning even though no hurling has been played since the All-Ireland final uh, will it change? It could very well change because I'm saying Galan now, but at an all-star night in a few weeks or a few months' time, I wouldn't be surprised if for some reason the talk has, and the narrative has just changed that you know people are talking about Kyle Hayes and maybe because the Sunday game planted a seed, the conversation is about him. Or, you know, I'm trying to think who else, Dan Morrissey. I just don't think Dan Morrissey will get it. I don't think maybe too much of a talk, uh, yeah, too much talk will go up around him. Some go for Dan Morrissey, though, Murph, to be in the conversation, given the switch in position and going into such a crucial position for him to be in contention here. Well, very consistent coming down the last few games of the championship. But, like, again, going back to the narrative of what the, the, the Sunday game were saying, that Kyle Hayes was so influential. I actually thought those times Tom Morrissey, to speak of the other Morrissey, was, hmm. was more influential during those times. And those were times where, let's say, even when Clare bet them, it was Tom Morrissey with the lads still standing up trying to fight. So if you're making the argument to go back that far in the championship, I would be thinking, okay, Kyle Hayes, Tom Morrissey's been flying it. So 
Um, but it is fair going for Dan Morrissey as well because a very unassuming player who goes about his business, like, again, Barry Nash shoots up the field and will get his score and, you know, all these different backs in front of him between Jeremy Burns being top scorer yesterday, a lot going on. In fairness for Dan Morrissey, it's a testament to his consistency that he yeah. still is in the narrative that people still recognise what he's doing. He's just, he's just a great player. And um, do you know what? It, it, it's even... It'd be nice for Dan Morris even that he's he's nominated for Hurler of the Year because that in itself is is a recognition of your year that you're in the top three players of the year. Like I mean, one person gets to walk away, but at the same time, you know, a person can literally you know can point to a certain stage of their life and say, oh, "Look, I was in the top three players in the country at the time." And um, so it'd be nice for Dan Morris, but I don't think the narrative will change a whole lot from Galan. I think I think we'll still be sitting here in a few weeks' time and Galan will be, will be voted Hurler of the Year. I'm not too familiar with the with the system that's in play now that you're talking about, Will, but. I don't think it'll change things a whole lot. No, it should just mean that you won't have a situation where votes almost cancel each other out, where you've yeah. got, say, one from one county and two from the others in the three-person shortlist. And what tended to happen then was the vote would end up getting split between the two players, usually from the All-Ireland winners, and then the third person could come through. While this time around, I think your vote transfers into a second and third preference as well. So it should help share the vote, if that makes sense. Skel, yeah. who do you think picks up the little bit of glass at the end of the year for this? I think it's Galen. Hmm. I don't I think there's an argument. Sometimes what happens is, uh, is um, you know, the media can actually portray a player having a better season than he actually had, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, sometimes the media gets awful traction next thing, he's just a shoo-in for it. But, but Galen, in fairness, I don't think he's got an awful lot of media traction. But when I hear people discussing like us and, you know, people in the locality and other media outlets, I, I think it's kind of, I won't say unanimous. There's cases to be made for a few people, but I think the... The, the, I suppose the, the lad who's put himself above everyone else is Galan this year. Just like I thought Burns last year put himself above everyone else. I thought that decision was justified. Galan was unlucky solely because he came up against a player who had just a good, if not a better season than he had. But in this instance, I don't think anyone has actually outplayed or outperformed Galan in his respective role. Hmm. Uh, Fiol, I'd agree. Tom Morrissey was so, so important for Limerick when uh, the backs were up against the wall earlier this year. Uh, we'll do our young hurler in a second. Uh, James Coughlin, best young hurler of senior year was young Jack Screeny. Do you mean Adam Screeny rather than Jack Screeny on this one? Uh, Jack Screeny's a good hurler as well, but uh, can we keep him in Limerick? I believe he's going to UL. Sorry, Will. Uh, I think he is going to Limerick. That's the plan. Adam Screeny has to get his exams first, but scored seven points in the championship debut at senior level uh, during the week as well. So he uh, has no problem stepping up to... You know, full men level now at this stage as well. And John there, Galan all day. I uh, don't know who anyone shows Hayes. Look, again, and Daryl Donovan's come up there as well from what's gone, what's back. Daryl Donovan was excellent all year, in fairness. Yeah, I mean, Adam Screen, yeah. Um, young Hurley here then, lads. Who do you fancy? Murphy, you go first, please. What do you mean? It's a man. Pushing the pressure straight across as he, as he face palms for the audio uh, audience on this one. Well, I'm trying to think. We might as well get the... Who's on the table here? So it's 22 players, 22 years of age and under. Cahill O'Neill, obviously being the first one, comes into mind. Um, is it a year that... Is it... Oh, like, who, who are we dealing with? Okay. Go on. Oh, so I, I got down to two people, Cahill O'Neill and Mark, it was Mark Rogers. He surely qualifies. Yeah. Yeah, we looked Rogers up, didn't we? We were looking up Rogers and Hogan did, yeah. earlier this year. I'll now, I went through all the games of each person. I went through what they scored. Uh... I knew uh, so, you'd have the research done on this. I didn't even have yeah, to ask. It's just you. This, this, would you believe, lads, this was actually a harder decision than the hurler of the year for me. Okay. Um, I, I thought Glenn was probably 10 or 15% above everybody else for the senior. Or hurler of the year, sorry. Well, you don't know Mark Rogers' date of birth, but he's 22 anyway. 
Okay, well, consider him sure. So, yeah. Yeah, and like another guy who I thought about was Adam Hogan, but then I said, no, no, he doesn't beat out Mark Rogers in his own team. So, Conor Neal, Mark Rogers. I actually chose Conor Neal. Conor Neal has okay. just been, I just think he's been absolutely outstanding every time yeah. he gets on the ball. He's had limited minutes. Um, he started the game against, uh, I think it was it, Tip, was it? and he got five points in play. Well, I think he, he started against, he picked up the injury against Cork anyway, certainly. Um, yeah. So, Manny uh, gave him a knock there. So, but like up until that, I agree with you. He was absolutely flying it, and he's been involved since. Like you know, he's been really influential. I think he would have actually played more time um, if he hadn't picked up the injury against Cork. Yeah, like seven games, one twelve from play, fifteen points total. Obviously, Mark Rogers is six games, uh, three six from play. He, he picked up the freeze towards the end, which is fifteen mm-hmm. points as well. So again, it was same score, no, albeit with a game less. However, Mark Rogers has far more minutes than Colin O'Neill. I think by I think by my count he's got nearly a two two full games ahead of him. Does that make sense? Mm. So I just think he's look Connery is a beast, and every time he comes on, he makes an influence. So if you come on to a team like Limerick and make actually an influence, make a positive impact to their team, that's a sure sign that you're in great form yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, so a couple I, of suggestions for David Blanchfield. He's he's 23, so I think he might be just outside. I think it's 23 or under, isn't it? But yeah. again, Blanchfield had a very very good season. I like. Again, I think you can have the cast and vote in this one, Murph. I think Adam Hogan, Mark Rogers, Carl O'Neill are a very solid top three here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are. They're a solid top three. Um, I just think Carl O'Neill has been that bit more influential and even never, notwithstanding picking up injuries, he's still stayed current, he's stayed influential in the game. And, you know, I think, like I said, if he had a bit more time, did, we wouldn't even have the discussion here. It's just unfortunate that he had the, the, the knock earlier in the year. But for me, it is Cahill O'Neill. I, don't, I can't see the other two lads' good years as well, in fairness, but he just pips it for me. Okay, I think that's fair enough. Um, How about I suggest- you? I see. I'm kind of st- right. I'm kind of caught between O'Neill and Rogers as well by the end of it. But I think again, Cahill maybe just about swings it. He had some big games. Um, mm. Like he's he's added to that forward line as well. I think and had oh, to yes, add yeah. to it. You know, at a time when important players are missing, and he would come in and have a big game. And I think we're seeing that promise that's been there the last two or three years. He's getting blooded in. So I, I think it's only fair to have him as hurler the year in the end. But that, that's not any slight on the two Clare boys who've had a really good yeah. year as well. So yeah. I think that's fair enough. Let everyone else argue that. A lot of people saying in the comments as well, definitely Galan are for her of the year. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, some people are asking, like, what's the thought process if Hayes was picked on the TV last night? I didn't get to hear enough of the thought process. Like, if the discussion had gone on a bit longer, maybe we would have got a feel for it. But I kind of got the impression that Don Logue was very strongly against the idea that mm. he thought it was definitely Galan. And the other guys were kind of making their proposals. And it was just around about the time that the program was coming to an end. So... Again, I, I don't think Hayes is that crazy a shout, but for me, I just kind of thought before the All-Ireland final came around, it would take something really, really remarkable for Galan not to win Hurl of the Year, mm. was my thinking going into the final. And as well as Hayes and Casey played in the final, I didn't think they were in contention to be Hurl of the Year before the final came around, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been different, say, if, I don't know, Darrell Donovan had the game of his life, or say if Dermot Burns had a, Burns was really good in the final, but say like he had had a generational performance in the final, it would have swung it maybe towards her of the year. But for me, it's it's probably Galan. Just a few other um, bits and pieces that we can pick on before we finish up. Lee Minogue, the children's hospital visit the morning afterwards, part of our caring culture, an awful pity to see that gone. I think that is one of the pities you were saying, Murph. That's one of the things you used to really enjoy doing uh, mm. the day after the final finished. It kind of, in a way, it was kind of like the ceremonial start to the homecoming. In a way, it was, yeah. But from a point of view, um, 
like there's great things there's very humbling things that come out of an all-earning final and like I'll be honest I was in Crow Park yesterday and again going back to chatting to Kieran Carey and Enoch Manus there was you know there was people in our area who they were saying like you know unfortunately they were unwell at the time and we were kind of saying look isn't it it's, it's one of the greatest days of the year and you know it's a great day for those people but at the same time it brings it back into balance that like we're all talking about the All-Ireland final but there's bigger things in life and that's a fact you know and for me all the hysteria around an All-Ireland final and you know the interviews and people talking about teams of the year and all this crack and lads wondering would you get a, you know an All-Star would you get a hurler of the year going to the Children's Hospital you forgot all about that you forgot about everything you were just there and you went Jesus you know I have nothing to complain about and mm-hmm. you know going in chatting to the kids and you'd meet a kid, you know, you might you might be there and there'd be a kid from Kilkenny and then you'd meet a kid from Tipperary or from Limerick or whatever and the parents, you know, you'd be chatting away to them and for a brief moment, there's great excitement and, you know, players would always come out of it and you'd actually, you know, you'd go about your, your day and your week in a really positive way afterwards. Not that you don't have a reason to be, but you'd, all these flipping things where lads would be going on about nitty gritty after the game about 65s or about whatever and all those things I felt that was the biggest part of the of the going to the children's hospital was that you know in the middle of all this euphoria you stepped out of it and you went you know this is all fake stuff what we're doing here you know in reality and that little bubble that little visit and having that bit of I suppose that celebration inside in the children's hospital was always brilliant so it is a pity um and, and like realistically, I think you can just simply put it back to the fact that county boards cannot afford to be in Dublin that night anymore. And that's it. And like, so it all falls back on that. that. That's the reason. It's not because they don't want to stay up there. They do want to stay up and they still want to do those things. But it's taken out of their hands now. And for me, absolutely, that would be the one loss to the whole thing. It's not staying up in, in the Burlington or City West for the night. It's you don't get to visit Children's Hospital the following day. So I do think... Um, in a bigger in the bigger scheme of things, that's something that I'd love to see. You know, I'd love to see rectified going forward. Could you yeah. imagine, like this morning, like you know, if Aaron Galan and Keane Lynch and the boys go into the cup, like Jesus Christ, like that's no. First, they, they did go into the University Hospital in uh, Limerick, which Connor brought up. And I saw some of the yeah. videos; of the guys were there. My point was more that usually that was the kind of tradition of going to the, the National Children's Hospital, yeah. which is part yeah. of of staying in Dublin. Um, Fiol also making the point the cost hotels in Dublin has a part to play. That's exactly it. Um, mm. From what I gather as well, uh, quite aside from the cost, it was very difficult to get hotels because in this time round, City West wasn't available whatsoever. So generally, it's City West and the Burlington scale will lose. Was, was it 100 euro on the bet? I forget where you were in 2017. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, I thought it reminded you. Um, but yeah, that was largely the reason why they weren't there. But yeah, they brought the cup around to um, the hospital in Limerick this morning. I think there actually might be some videos going up and off the ball a bit later today uh, from that visit earlier today as well. So keep an eye out for them. I know we're going along to the homecoming a bit later on as well. But yeah, availability of the hotel rooms is the big problem. Um, my point is more, this is something that's been lost to Dublin. It was one of the questions that came in on the, uh, the Instagram. It's just, you know, Hopefully, in the future, it can change around because, don't get me wrong, it was nice to see Limerick coming back home last night in a different type of way to go into Dublin, but there was always something I kind of liked about them being there, Children's Hospital. It's all tradition, really. Mm. Um, real Cher Aiden, should there be a system in place, this is one for you, Skell, where the learnings from the Limerick project can be shared with developing counties? Or should what Limerick have learned be kept in-house? Um, <clears throat> that's a tricky one to answer because... In order for Limerick to produce what the the performance they have, they need a certain level of clientele, a certain level of player, right? And I'm not saying that that's in developing counties, but the reason they're developing is because they don't have that level of player. You know, now you have to start somewhere. 
So whether it be the learning model or a model of, of different source, you have to start coaching. So I think it seems like a year ago we discussed how to, you know, further develop these these counties that need assistance. And a lot of it comes back to funding. A lot of it comes back to to putting in full time coaches who can actually apply real time, not just a token hour a week, you know, to a club or to a school. It needs to be provided in real time. So first first and foremost, start there. Get people into positions in these counties that they can actually make influence. Put put high level coaches in there, and whether. That's under the under the, the tutelage of a Martin Fogarty, a Paul Knurk, Paul Cannon, Dave Morris. These people, I say, who have high level high levels of coaching knowledge. You know, Lynn, that's what has to happen. But the sad fact of the matter is, right, and I hate to say this, is that's never going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? I sit here now and I say the GA. I'd love if they went into Sligo, Wicklow, or you know, Derry, these places, and got hurling going in there to a high level to make our championship overall more more competitive. But they just won't. They'll give a token. I suppose a token fee or a token sum of money each each year to uh, keep things going as it is at the moment, and, and I don't think they have actual an interest to further on any more than what it is at the moment. So that's a big issue. We said here that'll take years for it to change, and I just can't see that happening anytime soon. So get the Limerick model, put it into Sligo. It's all well and good, but that needs people in full time positions to uh, to hammer that home. It's not going to happen. Hmm. And here's one for you, Murph Mendeberg, as we come towards the end of our uh, live pod this week. What's it like for the lads now as club players waiting for the start of the club championships? You're not back underway yet, are you, in Galway and Kilkenny? No, we're the weekend, uh, first weekend of August anyway. Same, we're the 5th, that's the 5th and 6th of August. 5th and 6th, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're out that weekend, yeah. Well, for a lot of lads, I, I, I've, you know, there, I know there is lads taking this very brief window of two weeks to try and go on a holiday. That's kind of now with the split season is if you're lucky enough to go to the All-Ireland final, there is a few lads who are going to try and just get away because realistically for the inter-county lads now is they have this two weeks before they start playing and if they go well with the club that's going up till about Halloween league starts in January and you can't just start the league without playing a bit of pre-season without doing a bit of pre-season training reality is is this is a two-week period now for let's say for the Kenny lads who you know they might have two or three weeks off then after um, their club finishes to, they're back into training with the Kenny so what's it like now um, I'd say now you'd be doing very well to get anyone on the phone at the moment for the next few days they'll put their head down but I think look, a lot of them will look forward to going back to the club now as well because you know it's a new lease of life they'll park the whole All-Ireland thing they'll revisit it next year and they'll just get to enjoy hurling away with the clubs and take on the new challenge and, and focus on that so what's it like Um don't think any of them are thinking about it at the moment, but it'll be. It, 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 I always found that, let's say, after losing the All Ireland final, you're looking forward to getting back to your club just to get back going again and just kind of get, you know, because the longer you sit around at home thinking about the match, you're, you're disappointed. Getting back hurling with the club is always great. What about you, Scal? Is your next daughter going to wait for the start of the club championship or is she arriving before then? Uh, well, she's due the 10th of August, but like that now, uh, the second child came 17 years early. So yeah, so signs run. There'll be something. I was going to say something popping this week. Something will happen this week or early next week. So I think she admitted herself that it's it's likely going to happen in the next couple of days. Hopefully, all goes well. What a phrase to use. Um, there's a few questions on the split season here, which we can kind of round up before we finish. I knew this would happen every single time, but anyway. Uh, with college lads away for another month, why are local championships starting up now? This is something I've noticed from covering local championship games over the last three weeks or so. Lads are away in J1s and almost becomes a discussion with the managers after every single one, which is, yep, yeah, we know our lads who are in Boston right now won't be back until the bank holiday weekend and we're kind of planning accordingly. I don't know, but at the same time, here's Darrow Flynn and here's the open 
one Murph to start it off lads what are your opinions on split season as in the All-Ireland on too soon you can't push it back to September as you have to accommodate the club player as well like is there wiggle room to move this back is there a need for wiggle room to move this back is July a problem now that we've had two years of it um, like again I, I said to lads during the week that I feel like the summer's nearly o- it kind of feels like it's over now because you associate the All-Ireland final with the end of summer um, but I do think the, the, the split season is good for club players as well so I think um, I think it is a good balance at the moment. I don't think we can hang everything on when the All-Ireland is played as a good marker of whether it's working or not. I think it's healthy for the club players at the moment. So at the, you know, I, think, I think it's working. So I'm happy enough to keep progressing with it as it is. What about you, Skell? And Colin Cronin says, best of luck, Mrs. Skell. No, best of luck to Mr. Skell. He'll be part of it as well. But, you know, she'll do most of the work. Yeah, yeah, my work is done. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the I, I mean, first of all, I'm in favour of a split season. Uh, I, I think it's 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 in the interest of fairness to give ample time to the county player and to the club player. But I'm also in favour of rejigging the county season to kind of remove, call them needless games, pointless games, and kind of extend our, extend our championship somehow. So I, I I would like to, to showcase more big games more often but not at the expense of encroaching into the club players' period. So the club player now who starts in Galway, for example, in Kikini, uh, first week in August, and likely he'll be finished by first week in November or uh, late October. So like they literally have 12 weeks. Do you know what I mean? They haven't got an awful lot. So asking for 12 weeks to be fit into a 52-week calendar is, is not an awful lot to ask. As, and as a, a person who has been part of both, right, I think it's great. I really do. I think there's, there's huge fairness to the club player that they get to actually plan accordingly. They know the schedule. They know the calendar. Games are coming every fortnight, which is great. Whereas in previous seasons, you know, when you're mixed in with the county championship, it was very difficult to plan anything on a personal level. You know, and even for the club players themselves and managers, how would you plan challenge games or whatever when you didn't know when you're out? So I like the split season, but maybe it just needs to be altered a touch to kind of prolong the county another, another bit in, in a better manner, more mean, meaningful games. Hmm. Um, as well, I suppose one last thing I definitely uh, want to get across is thanks a lot to everyone who came along on Thursday night. Um, I've got to flick up some of the photos here. There's Murph, along with our new buddy Canning and Skell, before the show. There's Skell getting roasted at some point. Uh, there's Tommy, with his fantastic tan, I must add. Yeah. Literally just back from holidays. That's Murph telling one of his stories. And there's Kieran Carey, I think just about before he was about to say Skirtle in the board gosh to you. Uh, <laughs> the dog is yeah. now, Oh, <laughs> I'm glad you left out the F in that this has been a record low amount of swears so um, I'm not sure what we're going to do in the off season lads we'll probably have to work that out as we go along but it has been a very enjoyable season have enjoyed all part? of these sorry is this the last part I don't know I mean we can probably come back and talk about something next week I don't know Jeez, lads. we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll have it to be continued and we'll decide during the week yeah it's like James Bond will return I think we could have a miscellaneous end of year one maybe potentially if there's questions in yeah, I think the lives have added a little bit, lads. I really do. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. As much as the slagging has been mighty in all this. And like, I love the fact that, you know, somebody along the way has decided to set up a skirtle, an NFL pod. There you go. That, that's one for you. <laughs> we can have one next week. <laughs> it's, seven, it's seven weeks to the season, by the way. It's the season officially started today. Yeah, I saw, I saw Red Zone stick it up and you're there going, hmm. Yeah. 
Um, this is going to be great. Um, throughout the year as well, look, it's been fantastic to have uh, Borgosh Energy uh, behind us as well. They've been among the official sponsors of the All-Ireland Championship this year. They've been great sponsors for us for hurling at Off the Ball and for the hurling pod. Hurling, it's anyone's game, promoting inclusivity in hurling. We will be back with news of what we're going to do. Um, there's a few people very keen on the idea of having an NFL pod. Uh, what the hell have you just started, Skell? I think you love it, honest to God. I think once, once I open your horizons, broaden your horizons within the Fed, you're going to love it. Trust me. Morph, I can picture you being a real kind of Mahomes kind of fan, Kansas City Chiefs. Why is that? What's his I, traits that make me... Huh? What, what, what do you think will draw me to him? The fact that they won the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> you know, yeah, I want like the gravy train. <laughs> <laughs> want an old trophy, I'll go for the Super Bowl. Will, yeah. you, 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 you strike me as a man who just follows somebody that's just completely, you know, in kind of... No man's land. You're like a Jaguars fan. Yeah, see, I'd like to find. Yeah, I like finding stories that are a bit off track. But I am enjoying the quarterback series on Netflix at the moment. Yeah, much you, match, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you mentioned it the other night, Scal. So I said, ah, I'll flick it on. Friday night, I just yeah. put it on, and I kind of let the episodes roll in one after another. I found it remarkably compelling to see these guys who are ridiculously wealthy have probably been the most pampered players on their team all the way up along the way, but yet are playing in such a pressure position. It's insane. Like, yeah. if you make a mistake at quarterback, you have probably messed it up for your team. You're done. You're absolutely done. Yeah. yeah. It, is, it is probably as class as the most difficult position in all of sports, and it definitely is. Because I remember we were there going back a few years ago, and I was trying to introduce kind of five signals or five or six puck outs in the club game, or in our club, let's say. And mm. one of the lads, can't remember who it was, said, Geez, how are we supposed to remember them in club championship? Like, you know, six signals, right? And I was like, Tom Brady can remember 500 plays, right? <laughs> and you yeah, can't he, remember six signals. He, he doesn't have to go to work on Monday morning, though. That's the thing. So he can just six, release it. Six signals, right? <laughs> Jesus. Six. Not 66. Six. Two, two reasonable shouts in the comments on what we probably should do next week or maybe the week after. Uh, Got to be a season roundup. See, I don't really yeah. want to go back to work on Monday, so I'm fine with doing another pot or two. Uh, so a season roundup would make sense, and maybe we can take suggestions on various bits and bobs, and that kind of rolls into Connor's idea as well. Do an award show, like best goal, best point, best tackle, etc., yeah, I mean, I think that plays right to your wheelhouse as well, Skell, getting the notepad out, breaking down various different categories. I think I found last year's one, actually, would you believe? Ooh. I found it there today somewhere. I actually gave you an award last year. With you did? Years. I think it was like, was it yeah. most unexpected or something like that? Unsung it? hero. Unsung hero. Yeah. Having to put up with, with us two, well, predominantly having to put up with me. Murphy's a nice lad. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like that own, own uh, Hurley here is going straight for the negative let's have worst ref uh, club club championship pod would be interesting no, Galway etc um, I'm all for having a bit of a chat with the club as we go on it's just getting access to actually watching enough club footage is the tricky part I think hmm. but and especially when the lads are mid-championship it kind of gets weird if you're talking about your own championship if that makes sense like I couldn't really have you go well, who do you think is doing well in Kilkenny or Galway? And you could be talking about your opposition, but yeah, we did have an idea last year. Not to tease it too much, but it might well be rekindled. I think the idea was that we were going to do a crossover with the football pod at one stage, perhaps during the club championship. That mm. might be a little bit different. Go for that. Uh, Will's beard should get an award for this year. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have shaved it off. <laughs> um, big, big mistake. Um, Club Championship seconded. All right, there's, there's a lot of good feel for the Club Championship here. And best bolter of 2023, Scale, you have to come up with that one. Ah, sure, Johnny Glynn all day. That is the bolter. Johnny Glynn all the way. Get Johnny Glynn, lock him down, keep him in Galway and have him back in a Galway shirt for 2024. He can have the Galway shirt, which I still have in my bag that I forgot to give you the other night. 
Oh, come on. Yeah, come on. Take what if we get yeah? I gave away mine, yep. That was incredibly nice of you, by the way. To the fellow who came second in the quiz. <clears throat> Did it, was it signed? Did he go home? Uh, no, actually, we didn't sign it, I don't think. <laughs> to be fair, he probably didn't want to be the fella turning up into McGrath's or the big tree with Tommy Welch and Paul Murphy written on the jersey like at 20-something years of age. Maybe he did, I don't know, like, but uh, um, maybe he did, yeah. yeah. All right, why don't you quick, quick fire these last two because I'm very mindful we've now been talking for two hours at this stage and okay. we're probably even boring the bloody live audience. Lads, what was your game of the year? Game of the year... Game of the year. Jesus. Game of the year is hard to come from. I'll tell you the game I most I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Cork and Tipperary. I was I thinking really Cork and Tip. That was great, great battle. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Like, maybe it's not the game of the year, but I thought, geez, this is brilliant. Like, in terms of excitement, Claire and Limerick was in the round robin was incredible. Like, you know, yeah. in terms of just the pure excitement. Um, yeah, I'd probably go with that one for me. It now. was the head of the Munster final, wasn't it? The round robin game. Yeah, oh, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it was, know it was the most ex- exciting game of the year, but probably the worst result of the year, the Joe McDonough Cup final. That was okay. exciting. That was a hell of a game. That was exciting, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great game. Uh, first Limerick Clare meeting was pretty good as well, wasn't it? Yeah. The one that, was a, that was the round robin. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I think it was the mm. good one, yeah. That was yeah. hot. Yeah, probably one of the best game of the year. To be honest, that one. Yeah, they're pretty good ones. Uh, hold on a second. Owen Hurley here. Speaking of NFL and American sports, you throw it out there. The Parky Queen is perfectly suited to have a fan zone with the four G pitch next to it. You could definitely have a uh, tailgate party there. You could. Yeah, you could, but you can't. I've often said this to people at home. You can't do that in Ireland. No, piss rain. Because the, no, don't mind the weather. It's the Irish, right? Okay, it's the Irish. Americans will have a couple of drinks during the game. The Irish will have to just go full hog, and it seems issues. <laughs> it needs to be in a super controlled environment, not in a car park. <laughs> um, I would love to have seen this one, by the way, but obviously we listened to it in the radio. Wexford and Kilkenny, unbelievable. Yeah, didn't see it. <sighs> one of those in. I can't believe it wasn't shown. And Sean Sheen, you can have the final word. In hindsight, were Clare right to play Limerick in Limerick so they didn't have to play in Cork, which is more similar to the wide open expanse of Crow Park, where Limerick are unplayable? Was who's it a mistake? Who, who's having that? Me? Go on, Murph, you can have it first. Go on. Um, I think they were. Yeah, they were right to play him. Like, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's what Clare felt was going to be good for them. Um, so you can't really have any. Can't really have complaints after that. So, yeah, look, it was their decision. I think it was right to play in there and just get on with it and play the game. Like, I mean, you can't get too dragged into the weeds on these things either. Like, just play them. And if you're good enough, you're good enough. What do you reckon, Scott? I am same, same, Murph. Um, I don't don't mind where a game is played. If you're good enough, good enough to take down a team, you'll take them down. If you're not, you're going to get beaten. It's as simple as that. So whether you're trying to sway conditions or sway, whether it be officials, pitches, etc. I know, I understand teams try to do it, but ultimately it comes down to the 30 levels of the pitch, 15 v 15. If you're good enough to beat them, you'll beat them. If you're not, you're going home bet. Right, okay. Uh, where are we now? Pro Bills friends are pretty bad. Yeah, they're dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you're reading these before I even get to put them on screen. And Andrew Mullen as well. A few score scales said, you don't like some clubs. Uh, example, Tommy Larkins. I did not say that. I did not say that. Well, defend yourself there to Andrew Mullen's comments. Well, Andrew Mullen, that's utter, that's that's not true, Andrew. <laughs> uh, I do, I, I don't like some clubs. Yeah, I don't like them, but I'm not going to say it here at the start of the club championship. <laughs> yeah, two weeks out, yeah. literally, where it can be clipped from YouTube to be used by players. So there yeah. you go. 
All right, lads. I think we'll leave it there for this week. Uh, we cool. will do an award show. How's about that? And Perfect. That'll probably be our last one this season and we can work it out. I did like the idea that was slightly higher here, which I meant to star and then too many comments coming under it. And that was the one here which came in from James. Have Johnny Glynn and Mikey Butler on for a chat about the year. Yeah. Johnny Glynn is good crack. It's good Johnny I don't Glenn. know Mikey Butler. Actually, Mike, one of my club mates was wearing his jersey yesterday. His actual jersey? A, a, a train. He goes, Kyle, wait and see this. You're going to love this. And he peels off his top. And it was Mikey Butler number two. He swapped with him in the Leinster final last year. It's <laughs> following me around. <laughs> the hurling, the hurling podcast should take on the football podcast in an end of year skill show. Well, no, quiz. that that I is no quiz. I don't know quiz, quiz. will be fine. Skills yeah. not going to happen. Like um, Tommy is still playing. I think football with uh, a club in Clare at the moment. Is he with Cradlow? I think potentially. I think he's doing a bit junior hurling as well. We're at a disadvantage. Although I would back you two lads to take on O'Donoghue and Andrews, but I think we do better in a quiz. But your luck. Mm. And Fiol. You just know the crack here. Hit the like button on your way out. Don't even have to say it anymore. That's <laughs> just not. Sorry for having to say it during the year. It does make a massive difference. And if you're uh, listening to us on Spotify, on Apple, Stitcher, wherever you're picking up your podcast at the moment, if you could leave us a rating, that would make a massive difference as well uh, to push it up along the way. Thanks a million for joining us for our All Ireland review. Paul Murphy, it's been a pleasure. Sound well. See you, James Scale, the same. See you next week. All the best, gentlemen. See you. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game.